Welcome back, everybody, because this week we have a lot for you on Big Apple Hockey. I am, of course, and I have brand new graphics for this, so I have to show this off. I am, of course, your host, Mark Williams, and I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, long live the king, Mr. John Falkowski. Long live the king, number 30. The, we want to <laughs> number retired. And uh, MSG, give us our date so we can spend and give you our money. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that, John. It's like, shut up and let me give you my money. That's that's the yeah. one thing I want for all this. Right from Futurama meme. Yeah. Um, and, of course, a man who's had a long day between all the Islanders news and, as, as well, sending his daughter to kindergarten, Mr. Anthony LaRocco. Yeah, Big Lou finally showed his cards. It's a long time coming, but, uh, you know, he, it's everyone was bang on. Those guys weren't going anywhere, and he had them locked up from the beginning. So it's, it's nice to see uh, those deals out in the open now. Well, first things first, uh, thank you all for uh, supporting us and as well as all the different videos that we got going on. We started Can I just the say what that is I feel old. <laughs> well, I feel old with knowing that Elle is going to kindergarten. I'll be having drinks with my nephew at the end of the year, so I can't wait for that one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then you feel old. Uh, anyway, of course, uh, thank you all for supporting us on YouTube. Uh, we're also on Spotify and iTunes. The What If series dropped this week. Uh, we'll have our second episode hopefully coming on soon. Uh, Check me out, please. Always interested in what topics you might want to choose for our What Ifs. And our top 10 list, the worst breakups in NHL history. If you haven't watched that, check it out. All right. Uh, we're also going to have guests galore today, as you could all see. But we're going to start with um, the rivalry we didn't know we needed in the NHL. Well deserved, Spaniard. I don't think there's ever been a gladiator to match you. Yes. It is uh, Sebastian Ajo getting offer sheeted by the Montreal Canadiens to a five year deal. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't the hero reveal himself and tell us all your real name? You do have a name. My name is Gladiator. How dare you show your back to me? Slave! Will you remove your helmet and tell me your name? This offer sheet, a mess, great fodder, or both? Both. Um, <laughs> and total savagery from the Carolina Hurricanes. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. I mean, all this <laughs> over Jesperi Kakniemi. So, I mean, I, it's it's just, it's hard to believe that all that is is even happening. Um, so again, uh, two years ago, Montreal offer sheet Sebastian Ajo. So they grossly over overpay an offer sheet, uh, Yasperi Kakaniemi. Uh, Phil, your thoughts on this? Frank Saravalli kind of said it best it, it, it's, it's fodder, it's a mess, 
And it, it, it's funny at the same time because the, just the savagery on Don, uh, Don Waddell's part in uh, Carolina. I, I mean, he turned around and gave a $20 signing bonus. If, if that's not a legendary troll job, I, I don't know what is. Um, and, and no, DP, they should not be worried about what they did 24 years ago with Joe Sackick. They shouldn't be worried about that. Retribution would have already been had by now. But um, it, it's, it, I, I think that uh, this is, this is a, a A-plus level troll job. And this is absolutely retribution. It gives uh, Mark Bergevin something to think about because now do you really want to turn around and give a player that's really scored at about like a 30-point pace so far in his career $6.1 million? I mean, even Carolina, they can turn around, not qualify Kakaniemi, and then sign him for like four, four and a half million a year after that. And it, it ends up being an A-plus move because you get a young player with a lot of potential for not a whole lot considering the size of the offer sheet and the tiers. And then you really kind of stick it to somebody who – I'm not going to lie, though, but now going back and thinking about it, Montreal actually helped Carolina with that one because if Ajo would have hit the market, he would have gotten more than $9 million, and he didn't even get $9 million. So, I mean – I, I guess Carolina is really just doing oh. this out of what's that? No, I just realized I had the wrong ticker. So, oh, okay. Sorry. So, yeah. So I, I mean, I guess, I guess Carolina is really just doing this to be petty because it, it, it helped. They, they kind of signed Aho for them to tell you the truth. So, um, a plus troll job and it gives us news and it gives us something to laugh about. So bravo. Anthony going to you on this. Um, Elite, elite level trolling by the Carolina Hurricanes social media team. I mean, from from the the quote from Don Modell being pretty much the exact quote Mark Bergeron gave when he offshooted Aho's comments on it word for word. It was pretty much identical. Um, the Hurricanes tweeted it out in French as well uh, on their Twitter profile. Had Carolina Hurricanes written in French. Um, you know the tweet we've offshooted. Yes, Barry Kakaniemi, LOL, and just the the twenty dollars signing bonus, and then the six he got six point one million, but then he got fifteen he got fifteen dollars on top of that, which is Kakaniemi's number. Um, <laughs> it's just it was just again elite level trolling. However, though, when you really break it down and look at it on the hockey side of things, yes, Barry Kakaniemi is not worth six point one million. And sure, one of the criticisms of the offer sheet from the Canadians to Ajo was that if you're going to offshoot it, make it worth to where the team really has to think about matching or not. That was a simple, easy decision to match. It wasn't an exorbitant amount of money. This this was it was a high it was a, a dollar amount that was way too high for the player at this current point in his career. Um, and also, the Hurricanes only have I think four and a half million in cap space. So if the Canadians don't match, they're going to be over in the cap and they'll have to you know trade Jake Gardner, which is you know which isn't a huge loss, but they're going to have to probably move a player um, if they ultimately get cocky and Emmy. And so I, I don't, I don't necessarily think they needed to do it or it's a player they needed. I mean, it was reported after the option came out that the hurricanes actually tried trading for him, but they didn't get anywhere. So I guess that's why they went the offer sheet route. But ultimately I, I don't, I don't think the move is going to pay off for the hurricanes. Cause again, 
That means they have to qualify him at, for at least $6.1 million next season. So they put themselves in a little bit of a bind there, in my opinion. Yeah, sure, they could always walk away making him a free agent, but is that really a, a smart move to make, being that you're going to give up a first and a third round pick to get him? And then on the Canadian side of things, he's not worth the money, but you need help at center ice. So they're in a you know spot where they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Um, it's seeming, though, from the rumors out there, it seems like they might not match and then take that first and a third and use those assets to get Christian Dvorak from Arizona. That's been the word out there. So, um, you know, Christian Dvorak, uh, he signed for, I think, like three or four more years. So maybe they view him, bring more value to the club than Kaki Niemi. But it still sucks for them. You know, Kaki Niemi is, what, third third overall a few years ago? Um, mm-hmm. He was a so reach was, there. Yeah, yeah he, no, he definitely was. But to lose a guy that you drafted that high, you know, after only a couple of years is tough. But um, so ultimately wrap it up, you know, again, ultimate savagery and elite level trolling. Um, hilarious. But I, I don't know if it was necessarily the best move for the Hurricanes to make. I actually don't know if it's doing the Canadians a favor, though. Like, I mean, because first one thing is look at that cap number. Um, hold on. Let me just hide the banner. There you go. There's that zero. Like you're, they have no money under the cap. So how is it that they think they're going to be able to afford a Cockney Emmy anyway? Well, um, goes to long-term IR. Okay, well, there's there's one way, but I mean, the, he's more valuable to the Canes than he is to the to the to the Canes. Yeah, no, but, I agree. And of all things, and, and of all things, it's like I, I can't help but just just wonder. It's sort of like of all the teams that's that's screwing with them. It's my, it's the, the the Hurricanes. It's not the Bruins. It's not the Sabers. It's not something else. Like the Sabers doing this would have made more sense. They got to get to the cap floor. They need talent. Um, they're not going to have Jack Eichel at least uh, for a few months if for somehow he he stays. More on Jack Eichel later. Um, and we made it ten minutes into the broadcast without but with saying Jack Eichel. So it's um, I mean this is just. It, it, it can't just be a troll job. There's got to be more to this. Do, do the Canes, does anybody, either one of you guys really believe the Canes think they're onto a $6 million center? No, uh, like that's one of the first things I said is that Kakaniemi is not worth it. And Anthony repeated that as well. But you, if you take a look at it, right now he's not worth $6.1 million. Could he be worth $6.1 million soon? Sure. But Honestly, I, I think either way, unless he has a gigantic year this year, he's probably not getting that qualifier because that's what they would have to qualify that. So if he does, in fact, have that gigantic year, they then qualify him and then you go from there and then you know you have a core piece at that point. So it's kind of good in a way because they really, like Anthony said, they put Montreal in a position to think about it. Unlike when Montreal put the offer sheet out there for Ajo, like I said, Montreal basically signed Aho for that because there was nothing to think about with Matt mm-hmm. for she was such a team friendly AAV for them. And I don't even know why Montreal even did that because now, now they're in a predicament because of it. Now you saw the retaliation that for all these years, everybody talked about, Oh, why aren't offer sheets prevalent in the NHL because of retaliation? Oh, well, that's not going to happen. No general manager will do that. Up oh, here you go. We are talking about it. So, for everybody who said it wouldn't happen, now we're looking at it. And Kakaniemi is a good piece because while he's not there yet, and it's an overpayment, 
He has the ability to be there sooner or sooner than later. And Carolina gets a piece for really nothing that fits exactly into their timeline. And the other, the, the other thing too, is though, right now, Jesperi Kaki and Emmy's not like in a trade. He's not worth a first and a third round pick. And that's what the hurricanes would be given up. So, Again, you know, I don't. I don't think they needed Jesperi Kakinenemi on the roster. I mean, unless I guess the plan is to move Trocheck to the wing if they feel that he's best suited there, and Kakinenemi plays center. But um, I think Kakinenemi yeah, might play wing. Maybe I, I don't know, but I, again, I don't. I don't think he was a need. But apparently, they wanted him, being that they tried to trade for him before this. But um, you know, I, I think it, they probably would have truthfully been better served waiting to see if. Uh, you know, Suzuki reached RFA status next summer, but I guess they didn't want to bank on that happening. That would have been the real, real target if they wanted to get exact some revenge. Um, I believe the term is Pyrrhic victory, where you win a battle, but you really lost because you just like lost too many things. Canes are going to win this. And then they got to hope this guy produces next year and achieves a six point a six point one million dollar qualifying offer. Um because if he's not, you just gave up a first and a third for here pettiness. But but here here's something to think about. Carolina Hurricanes are are a legitimate contender and they're that close to being a, a cup threat. They need to, you know, make a couple more acquisitions now that they lost Dougie Hamilton. But they're not going to be getting those high-level picks like where Montreal got Jesperi Kakaniemi. So if you think about it, they just ended up getting a young talent that could end up being, like I said, a, a higher-end core piece for their team for not a lot. So it, it actually it, it's actually a pretty good move by Carolina despite it having some retaliatory nature. I mean – I, I, I don't know. I just I, I kind of look at this in a, in a hockey way and go, I don't know about that. And right now, if, if you want to put him as a center, he might be the fourth or fifth best center on that team because he's not better than Jordan Stahl. He's not better than Marty Nikash, and he's not better Nikesh than just a winger. Yeah. So, oh, did he get, no, he was a center last year, wasn't he? Nate just plays primarily at the wing. All right. Well, my mistake. All right. But like, uh, like this comment said, line two, Cogniemi, uh, Trocek, and Nikesh. So, Natchez, sorry. We haven't listed at center, but uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen him play wing more than center. Either way. But after all, what are your thoughts on the troll job by uh, the Carolina Hurricanes? Uh, did, did, would you pay $6.1 million for KK? Throw it all down in the comments below. And if you were Bergevin, would you actually match this offer, considering that you badly need centers? All right, we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to go to the Rangers this week because we're going to be talking plenty about the Islanders in a little bit. Um, but Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves both had comments this week uh, about, of course, the Tom Wilson incident because if there's anything after Jack Eichel I'm tired of talking about, it's Tom Wilson. And um, Gallant is guaranteeing that the team – it's not, it's not going to overtake the team. They're going to be physical, and they don't see it happening anymore. And Ryan Reeves' comment that Phil sent into the chat last night, either way, I would tell him, either way, we're fighting three times or I'm jumping you. Take your pick. I love that. John? Like I said, it, 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 he's their 
he's the answer to their Tom Wilson problem. Uh, I think he's more than that, though. I, I, I think he's going to be a great locker room guy. This locker room was missing something like that. You think that that locker room would have responded that way and said something like that last year? Nope. Nobody, nobody would have had the stones in the locker room to say something like that. And good on Brendan Smith for for you know going out and fighting him. But where were the where were the cojones in this locker room before Ryan Reeves? He brings them now. He brings that swagger. He brings that enthusiasm. He's a locker room presence that this locker room needed. Like I said, the Tony D'Angelo incident doesn't happen if you have a better leadership group and a better coach in a locker room. The the lack of quality starts down the stretch against teams like the Islanders, the Bruins, um, and the uh, the Penguins doesn't happen with a better leadership group. Ryan Reeves whether he wears a letter or not is going to have an impact on that locker room. And if you're a Ranger and you see that quote, I'm saying to myself, shit. Yeah. We just got a guy that's going to, that's going to watch our back. So you know what? Come at us now. Come at us now. Bring it. I'm doing, I'm doing a little, um, if you smell what the rock is cooking turning my hand over and bringing it rubble <laughs> style, baby. Well, what is the L rock cooking? Um, I, you know, I like the comment from Reeves. It shows that, you know, he, he's not going to stand for stuff like this. And if he was on the ice, uh, maybe things play out differently. Uh, my only thing with it is Tom Wilson's not going to fight Ryan Reeves. Yeah. He fought Brandon Smith and he fights guys that, you know, aren't really, you know, real, real threats to him. He's not going to fight Ryan Reeves. So the problem with what Reeves says, if Wilson turns him down, then he tries to jump him, then you're putting your team in the penalty box, and, you know, that could be a disadvantage. But, um, you know, Tom Wilson, like I said, he's never – he's not going to answer the bell to guys that he knows that are probably bigger and badder than him. That That's the issue with Tom Wilson. I like what Ryan Reeves said. It's just I don't know if Wilson will would oblige to fighting him. I think he'd, I think he'd avoid it. Just because also, too, don't forget, Tom Wilson is, unfortunately, give him his due – he can do a lot of good things on the ice. He, you know, he can score points and do good things. So he's not going to put, you know, he's not going to put himself in the penalty box by fighting a guy like Ryan Reeves. So, um, but you know, regardless though, Reeves is going to have this type of impact on the Rangers. You know, guys may, may think twice about doing certain things. Um, and they're between Reeves and Goudreau and, you know, Sammy Bly, I think there will be a tougher team. So yeah, incidents like that with the Capitals game, that likely won't happen again. Um, and also, too, you're going to have a coach in Gerard Gallant who's going to be structured and very well disciplined. And, you know, even him, he's, you know, he's not going to, you know, coach a team that's just going to roll over. So um, I'm actually I'm curious to see the first game between they play each other, the Capitals and the Rangers. That should be uh, that should be interesting to see if there's any carryover. Um, but again, I'm not expecting, you know, Tom Wilson to do anything else that game. Um, you know, Ryan Reeves, again, will probably say, give him the hey, how you doing a couple of times. But I don't know if it'll actually result in a, you know, them fighting. But overall, though, I mean, listen, I said it before: the Rangers are going to be a much tougher team to play against. No doubt about that. It's just, it's, it's. Gavon saying this is not going to overtake the team was very important um, because th they can't be focusing on Tom Wilson. They got to focus on winning hockey games. They do have to focus also. But by the way, going from the Tom incident, they got to show that they're not going to be physically intimidated. And that's why exactly why Blaze and Barkley Goudreau and Reeves are here 
I mean, they're going to be a team that's not going to get pushed around. They, they you big punk, you won't be pushed around. <laughs> um, what is that, that Zangief? Uh, it was actually closer to Zangief, yeah. But uh, you're rounders. Yeah, it was going with rounders for that. Oh, no, Teddy KGB over there. Teddy KGB. But yeah, I think I, I definitely came up more than one Zangief. Whenever the fact I won. Yeah, which it's amazing what John Malkovich John Malkovich can say every syllable and enunciate it. All right, but back to this though. It's um, <laughs> I mean that's why they got these guys. And you know, you said it. Both of you guys said it in there. The amount of, uh, of just Quijones in that locker room now. That now you got guys that could go out there and like Artemi Panera was trying to defend his his teammate and his friend. That's why he jumped on Tom Wilson's back. Now, I mean, again, Tom Wilson picked the right time to do it. You do it on the power play, but now it's you're going to get these moments where uh, there's consequences and guys will have that in the back of their head is a reason why morning morning McSorley is in all those other guys had jobs for years. So, I mean, not just that, but just two things to, to wrap from my end. One is uh, Anthony, you're right about Tom Wilson. Skill player can do other things. You give the devil his due. He's a guy that everybody would want on their team. If it wasn't for the fact that he was, he's a complete dirtbag on the ice, but one uh, hold on, guys. We gotta, we gotta here, pause so. everything for a minute because we have joining us from the athletic. Whoop, I had you on there. <laughs> joining us from the athletic, we have Arthur Staple. Arthur, thank you very much for joining us. Good to be here, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Our names on there. Okay. Thanks for coming on with us, Art. So, you know, uh, finally, Lou showed his cards a little bit with these signings. Um, <laughs> you know, what do you think about it? Uh, where? Where do they go from here now that these guys are under contract officially? Well, I mean, I think they've been operating with these guys under contract for almost a month, which, uh, you know, the fact that you didn't hear anybody's name out there on the rumor mill or anything like that kind of confirms it. And there's still a few other guys, too, that that, that they'll be bringing in. I don't think it's anybody that's on a multi-year deal necessarily, but uh, you can kind of assume that. Zach Parise is an Islander. Travis Zajac is an Islander. Uh, I think Michael Del Call will still be an Islander. Um, Anatoly Goloshev. So maybe some lesser guys. But I think, uh, you know, Lou letting these contracts out now either was something that he decided to do a while ago. And this September 1st was just for him the start of the new league year, like it was like August 1st was for everybody else. Um, or. You know, he's got a trade that uh, that he's ready to, to pull the trigger on. And these deals don't really, you know, he can reveal his cap numbers now that he didn't want to reveal to his trade partner. So uh, Lou works in mysterious ways, and we all just kind of wait to see what happens. <laughs> Arthur, aside from uh, Tarasenko, are there any other possible trades that the Islanders were working on by any chance? You know, I, I think they're still interested in Tarasenko, but I, it, it sort of seems like a secondary issue to me. But the, the primary one being they need to replace Nick Letty. Um, you know, they traded him very early on in the offseason. Uh, it seemed like an obvious move at the time because they needed to free up some cap space to make all these other deals. But it was also kind of predicated on the idea that they needed to find another second pair left defenseman and a guy who in Letty has been a real, you know, he's had some ups and downs in terms of the results, but he is a, a reliable guy. Uh, you know, he plays hurt. Uh, his speed is something that's not really matched by a lot of defensemen in the league, even at age 30. 
uh, plays on the power play. So there were some, you know, there were some some requirements that they needed to fill, and I'm sure that they were working on it. You know, I, I'd heard that they were talking to Seattle. It might have been about Vince Dunn, uh, who kind of really? fills a similar similar sort of profile, but Seattle ended up signing him. So I think he's staying out there. Uh, they do have a couple of extra defensemen. There's some other guys that you can kind of just logically put two and two together. You know, a guy like Hampus Lindholm, who's got a year left on his deal out in Anaheim, and they seem to be in full, you know, rebuild mode going going young. Um, so, you know, the, there are some guys, you know, I think Zidane Chara's name has been thrown around. I don't really see him being a second-pair guy anymore at his age. Um but I think that's really the priority, and maybe we'll find out. Maybe while we're talking right now, Lou will drop another <laughs> another nugget <laughs> on all of us and, uh, and and put out word about a trade. But um, you know, they don't really have a lot of cap space right now. They're at with these signings today. They're at about a little over eighty-five million, uh, and if you factor in Johnny Boychuk, six million against LTIR, that's eighty-seven million that they got to work with. So not a lot of room unless they can shed another contract. A guy like Leo Komarov or Thomas Hickey. Um, they do have a couple of young left defensemen. Robin Salo is coming over from Europe after having a good year in Sweden. And Samuel Bolduck, who was a 2019 draft pick, had a really good year in the abbreviated AHL season. But uh, I think we know Lou Lamarillo and we know Barry Trotz well enough to know he's not trusting 19 or 20 minutes a night to a kid who's just coming over from Europe who, no. or a 21-year-old who's got 28 pro games under his belt. So there is something else coming, I feel. We just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> Wow. Arthur, would that something else be possibly uh, Vladimir Tarasenko? I mean, that could be the the one B maneuver. Um, you know, right now you kind of look at their group of forwards, and obviously it's a crowded group. When you talk about that eighty five point two million, that includes Richard Ponick, who they got back. You know, it's just kind of a body back in the Letty deal from Detroit. I, I mentioned Michael Del Call; he'll be back. Anatoly Goloshev will get a fir- first full year uh, over here in North America. Uh, Leo Komarov still on the books. So they've got a pretty crowded group. It's probably like 15 or 16 guys. So not all those guys are going to make it. But even if you subtract a few of the obvious ones and bury those cap hits in the minors, where is Tarasenko going to play with this group right now? If you've got Zach Parisi already here, you've got Kyle Palmieri here, you've got Oliver Wallstrom who needs time. Um, you know, Tarasenko, if he's healthy, is obviously a huge talent. But uh, to make the money work and more importantly, to make the roster work, you'd have to think that they're, they'd have to shed somebody. You know, Josh Bailey was left unprotected in the Seattle expansion draft. They went for Jordan Everly instead. And Bailey's, you know, one of the three or four longest tenured Islanders in team history. So is it, is it him that would be moving out to make room for Tarasenko? Is that the sort of upgrade that the Islanders want? They want that much more scoring that they're willing to sacrifice, uh, you know, a guy who's sort of a, you know, does a little bit of everything well in Bailey. Not for me to say, um, you know, I, I imagine that Lou keeps all his options open till the very last minute and the last minute has nowhere near come yet. We're still three weeks away from training camp. So we'll see where that, where that leads. Arthur, I'm glad you brought up Josh Bailey. Cause um, you know, he's been a pretty polarizing figure since he's been drafted. As you know, a lot of Islander fans has always, has always, you know, wrote him hard and been a little too hard on him. Um, and even as he, over the years, as he matured and become a really productive player, there are Islander fans that still kind of use him as like a scapegoat and whatnot. But you mentioned Hampus Lindholm. Lindholm has a similar salary to Bailey. I believe he makes over $5 million. So if that's the way that they wanted to go, try to acquire him, could you see Bailey go for a guy like Hampus Lindholm, being that the salaries are almost like a wash? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a Lindholm situation for Anaheim, they're going to want futures. You know, like I said, they're they're kind of going as young as they can go. Um, 
you know, if they're going to give up a guy who's been a mainstay for them for such a long time, I imagine they would want some more assets, you know, draft picks, prospects, younger players, things like that. Um, I think Bailey really only leaves if they're going to bring in another forward. I, you know, they, they still have a pretty full group, even without Bailey, if you slot in Wallstrom and like I said, Palmieri's still here and maybe Ponick or one of those other guys can, or Dal Cole can fill more of a third line role. But, um, you know, it, it, I, I don't think, Lou, I think judging by the fact that they lost Eberle in the expansion draft, they lost Letty. He doesn't seem to like to let a lot of guys go that he doesn't have to let go. And I don't, I don't know that they're, unless they've completely soured on Josh Bailey, which doesn't seem likely. Uh, I don't know that they're wanting to let him go in any kind of move uh, unless it's like, unless it's a big upgrade. And I think, you know, like we talked about, they do need a, a middle pair defenseman, but uh, I would imagine that's more of a, a futures move. And then you try to figure out how the money works after that. Okay. Arthur, do you get the sense that Lou is comfortable with this roster as is? Yeah, I do. You know, um, I, I think, uh, I think they do need a defenseman. I'll, I'll keep saying that because just the way that the, the team is built, you know, they're not, they're not built to, to kind of wing it that way. Uh, it's such an important position, but, uh, but I think up front, yeah, you know, uh, I think bringing in Parise uh, obviously was kind of a, you know, they tried to get him at the deadline a couple of years ago and it didn't work out um, given his you know, contract was so complicated. Uh, and now with him bought out, you know, obviously Lou likes his guys, you know, Kyle Palmieri, people assume that he's a Lou guy because he was a devil, but I think he came in soon just after Lou had, st- had stepped aside and Ray Shearer took over. But I think even at that, Lou certainly can see a player like that uh, often enough to know he's one of their guys. And that was a priority for them. Travis Ajak, Andy Green, Parise now, you know, like he has his guys. So I think he feels comfortable with the support group of the of the Islanders core that he inherited being his guys. And uh, and yeah, I, you know, I, I think we always kind of have looked at this roster the last couple of years and said they need this or they need that. And they've shown. Uh, that, that they've been close enough to, to kind of refute that theory that uh, they are good enough. So I think the way that they are right now, yeah, I think they're good enough to compete. I don't know if they're a division champ the way that they're kind of being portrayed right now, because I think people have finally started to realize how good this team is, but uh, they are, they're going to be one of the tougher outs in the playoffs if they make it as usual. And I think this group as constituted can do that. I'd, I'd, I'd love to try to think of another question at the moment because it's so hard to get information out of Lou. Like, he should be the head of the CIA with the amount of uh, <laughs> uh, leaks that he, he doesn't let out. Um, but what are what are some veteran possibilities to replace Nick Letty if uh, Don the Young kids work out? You know, there's certainly not a lot of people available uh, at this point. You kind of had had a few names when free agency started, and they all started to kind of slowly tick off. We wondered a little bit as free agency went, you know, is Ryan Murray an option? And then kind of quietly he went to Colorado. Um, you know, you just sort of by process of elimination see who might be out there. That's how you land on a guy like Lindholm. That's, you know, I thought Mark Stahl would have been an interesting option for them, maybe more as a third-pair guy. Uh me personally, I think I like him a little bit better than I like Andy Green at this stage of their careers. But again, that's a Lou guy. So Andy Green was locked up almost immediately to another deal. And you sort of assume, given their depth on the left side, that that he's got a spot on that third pair once again uh, with Noah Dobson. So, you know, 
without having the list in front of me to see, uh, you know, who might be an option. You know, I thought Alex Goligoski, there was some interest there too early on in free agency. So I think Lou kind of went through his processes of, can we get somebody to be a bit of a stopgap, another one year guy for not such a, you know, not much, uh, much of a cap hit. Um, and then struck out there because he didn't find the guy that he wanted. So now you look at a trade and, you know, if, if it's still talking to Seattle, can they get Vince Dunn? Is Vince Dunn more in Seattle's plans? Is a guy like Carson Soucy, who they also picked up in the in the expansion draft from from Minnesota, is he a guy who fits what they want to do? Um, you know, there's it, it's hard to say. To me, it just doesn't seem possible that uh, that they're going to go to camp with what they've got right now. And even if Zdeno Char decides he wants to play and decides he wants to finish his career where it started two decades ago on the island. I still don't see him as, as a guy that they can rely on to, to fill that, that Nick Letty spot. So, um, you know, uh, you kind of go on cap friendly and run down the list and, and <laughs> make notes and wonder if the guy's available. Um, it's a little easier to get information out of some people on other teams than it is out of the team that I cover. So sometimes it's easy to take <laughs> off, but yeah, but you do not. a hell of a job doing that. So you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, it's just, you, uh, you crack me up when you talk about your offer with uh, requesting players and Lou denying them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been uh, you know the the pandemic has obviously changed the way that it, you cover teams because most everything is on the computer. But um, but even with Lou, I think it's uh, you know someone who likes to be in control of a lot of different situations. It's him extending this this off season of uncertainty until today with some of the contracts and maybe even beyond. Uh, with in terms of access, you know, it's it's hard to get a handle on talking to people because they don't want anyone to talk about situations that haven't been resolved yet, like a possible trade. So, yeah, we wait, we wait to see if uh, I'll keep asking if I can talk to Barry at some point this summer, and uh, it'll turn into <laughs> talking to him on the first day of training camp. <laughs> yeah, <you> know. yeah. <laughs> now, Arthur, we know what they're going to look like in goal. No secret for Alamov and Sorokin. Um, you know, obviously, Ilya finally came, and I think uh, a lot of Islander fans, you know, really loved him right off the bat, even though he had that miserable first game against the Rangers, which was a little unfair to him due to the circumstances how he came in. But he played really well in the Pittsburgh series, and he won it. So going into this season, do you think at any point he could take significant playing time away from Varlamov, or do you think Varlamov's going to be the guy again for the majority of the year? You know, I think it starts off with Varlamov maybe getting two out of every three and then Sorokin comes in. But I, I imagine, you know, the first 82 game season in two years, a goalie in Varlamov, who's not a young guy anymore, necessarily he's got a lot of tread on the tires. There is a goalie in the NHL. You're going to need both. And, you know, they coaches say that all the time now in the last few years that you're going to need both guys. Uh, and I think it's going to be more true than ever this year because, um, especially when you look at the Islanders schedule, but if they do, you know, if the NHL does go to the Olympics, it's going to stay condensed all those games on the road. Uh, I think they have the second or third most back-to-backs in the league. You're going to see plenty of Ilya Sorokin. And I don't think it's going to be a, a, an issue about who's, who's one a and who's one B um, that'll be more, you know, they'll sort themselves out as the season goes on and, and gets towards the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I think Sorokin knows he's in a good spot. Uh, Varlamov's got two more years left on his deal. He's certainly been, you know, coming in his first two years, one of the most successful veteran goalies to ever join this organization. You know, even going back to the Billy Smith, Chico Resch days, this guy, two years, two, two runs to the conference final, um, you know, probably should have been a Vezina finalist this past year for what he did. 
Um, so I think, you know, that they're, they're really comfortable with where they are right now. And I understand there's always going to be Islander fans from these last couple of years that feel like, well, what if Robin Leonard had been able to sign a deal and stay here? And yeah, but, uh, but it's been such a position of strength after being such a, such a black hole for so many years, all the guys that they cycled through. And now when you think about the way that Mitch Korn and Piero Greco helped turn Leonard's career around, um, Varlamov came in, you know, as kind of a guy who'd been kicked to the curb a little bit in Colorado and how he's turned his career around. And now uh, Sorokin comes over after all his success in the KHL uh, into one of the strangest situations a, a guy could ever arrive into with the pandemic and being on his own and not really able, being able to even really interact that much with, with his surroundings. And, uh, and he put up a pretty good year too. So, uh, you know, I think the situation is, is, is very strong in net and that's probably the most important position for them. Speaking of a young player possibly looking for a spot, could this be a year where Noah Dobson possibly overtakes Scott Mayfield for that number two right spot? Yeah, I think you'll see him play more minutes. You know, it, it, it's really about, I think Barry Trotz always likes to put it, everybody needs a role. And, uh, you know, I think the, the most important role that Dobson's going to fill is on the power play with, uh, with Nick Letty gone. I think uh, you're going to see him manning that power, that top power play unit, if you can even say there's a top power play unit because the power play has sort of split time pretty evenly between the units and also been very mediocre the last couple of years. So um, if Dobson can find a little niche uh, to, to make his own, I think it would be on the power play. Um, you know, his five-on-five five play was pretty good last year. I think he, he took a little bit of a step back like guys do in the playoffs. You know, guys his age, he, he definitely struggled a little bit as the playoffs went on. But that's part of the growing pains. And I do think you'll see him play a little bit more. And I think his 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 chemistry with Andy Green uh, is probably a big factor in, in how much he can play five on five and keeping that as a pair together. And, and whether whoever they find to play with Scott Mayfield, um, you know, should make it uh, more of an equitable distribution between the second and third pair. You know, there's a, the number one pair is very clear and those guys are going to get the bulk of the heavy minutes. But uh, but I think Dobson has a lot of leeway to, to kind of fill an important role. Going to another uh, young Islander. Uh, do you think they're going to give Oliver Wallstrom some more responsibility this year? You'd think so. You know, he certainly showed that he 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 could handle it last season when he finally got his chance, and then uh, you know they went through a stretch where he was really the guy that was driving their offense a lot of the time. You know, they had he, he's got that shot. Uh, you know, on the power play, he makes a lot of things happen. They really don't have a guy who just is a, you know, has a, a no conscious, conscious feel about shooting the puck and, uh, you know, to have him do it. And also I think his, his play away from the puck was really underrated last season. You know, positionally, he didn't, he didn't panic a lot. Um, he used his body well. Um, you know, he was able to fill a role where they, you know, especially before he got hurt in the Penguin series where, where Barry Trotz felt comfortable putting him out there with, with, with Pajot against Sidney Crosby's line or against Evgeny Malkin's line. And he did just fine. So, um, you know, I think the, the sky's the limit really for him. If he can get an opportunity, like I said, they do have a really crowded field of forwards and he's probably, he might be the only one who has options to go down without, uh, needing waivers. So, you know, you may see at the, at the beginning of camp or somewhere through camp in terms of, you know, trying to get numbers to the right, uh, to the right spot before the season starts, if he ends up being sent down, but. I can't imagine it's going to be for very long because he's an important part of what they need to do, especially offensively. Now, Arthur, b before we let you go to, to appease my Ranger fans uh, above us, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they've, um, 
they've obviously forever been linked to Jack Eichel, and that that situation's been a mess. But um, where where do you see the Rangers this season? Do you think you know Eichel's still a viable option for him, and just overall your outlook on uh, on them going into the season? You know, I think a lot rides on on their goaltending as usual and their defense. Uh, they obviously have a ton of skill up front, and uh, you know when they play fast. You know, I obviously see them mostly when they play the Islanders, but when they get going, uh, you know north south and and with their speed and their ability to move the puck around uh they can give a lot of teams problems especially the islanders because the islanders would tend to want to make it a, a much slower type game um so if they're able to do that in a on a consistent basis against the teams in their division and and uh you know they certainly looked good against some of the teams in the division last year but uh, you have to look good against all of them and really you know i i think a lot was maybe overblown a bit about how much they bulked up in terms of their bottom six and and how they felt about being pushed around by the Islanders and those big games that eliminated them. And obviously the, the Tom Wilson situation, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that that spending a draft pick to get Ryan Reeves uh, is the way to go, but I think a guy like Barkley Goodrow is going to help them a ton. Um, you just get guys in there, you know, and I, and I think you saw it with the Islanders, you get guys in there like the Islanders did when trots and, uh, and Lamarillo came in, you get a guy like Valtteri Filpola who, who really helped kind of make that transition from the Islanders being a team that was starting to, you know, starting to believe what everybody was saying about them and feel sorry for themselves after a, a couple of bad seasons and realize that, you know, if you just kind of play to a smart system, uh, you know, the way that Filpola plays, uh, you can go a long way. So I think Goodrow will help them. You know, I think Gallant is uh, is really not a, such a technical X's and O's type coach. And, and I think the personal touch that he brings that a lot of players who have played for him before have talked about will really help some of their young guys and even some of their veteran guys. So, you know, I, I, I think a lot rides on Shesterkin and what he can do this season. Um, but I think, you know, they're going to be competitive. If, you know, there's really, to me, there's only a couple teams that, look like they're going to kind of trail the pack a little bit in that division. And you never know what's going to happen with Washington and Pittsburgh. We've been predicting their demise uh, for a long time and it never yeah. seems to come. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my yeah. God. It happens when you have Crosby and Ovechkin on those rosters. Yeah. So I feel like Colum Columbus is going to struggle and Jersey's going to struggle, but anybody else, you know, uh, you know, Philly can have a big bounce back and go back to where they were two years ago, or they could stink again and it could all fall apart. Uh, Carolina's kind of a mystery now with all the, the, you know, the, spare parts they brought in in a, in a weird fashion in their goaltending situation. Yeah. Um, and the Islanders, you know, if the Islanders, the Islanders real bugaboo is depth. If they don't, if they don't really stay healthy the way that they did, especially on D and in goal, they could be in a lot of trouble this season, the way they were a couple of years ago before the pandemic shut everything down. So, um, yeah. you know, the Rangers, the Rangers to me have, have maybe the best skill of anybody in the division. And uh, you know, if they've got the right coaching situation and obviously this is a guy in Gallant who came in first year with a team in Vegas and took him to the finals. And he's really, you know, he's a little like Vino in that way where he comes in and he gets people to buy in right away. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they get out of the gate, how much they can believe in themselves. And maybe the Eichel situation gets resolved before camp. It feels like it would be such a mistake to, to give up a ton of assets that Buffalo is looking for to get a guy who really wants to be out of there. And I'm sure it'd be super motivated, but you still wouldn't see because of the surgery until January, February at the earliest. And, and really the season's kind of basically over by then. So, um, you know, I, I feel like they have the, they have the skill, uh, you know, Zibanejad is, is a great player. Panarin's a great player. Ryan Strom has really found a home there um, to be kind of a, a good distributor and, and partner with uh, 
with Panarin. So I, I just feel like, um, you know, they're kind of a mystery to me, but uh, if they're great, it wouldn't surprise me. And if they're, if they're struggling again, it wouldn't surprise me, but, uh, but they seem to be on the right track. All right. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, Arthur. As always, it's a pleasure and we'll let you go. Hope, you know, you never know. Lou pulls another move and you're back to work. So I'll give you some <laughs> that's right. time here. A that's, little bit. I, I might get to go get lunch for about five seconds and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you had, you, had, you had a full month off and then suddenly, wait, what? I got to cover five signings? <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm glad he waited till I was back on the clock to do all this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Jordan, okay, thank you, Arthur. Arthur. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Thank guys. You, Take Arthur. care. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. All right. Yeah, yeah, we had Arthur Stable talking about the Rangers. How about that? <laughs> Something he probably hasn't done in a long time. Yeah, yeah. But you know, there's still lots of stuff. Oh, well, he, yeah, he had he had a lot of good uh he had a lot of good insights. And you know, the main thing is you never know what lose up to. You know, they need that defenseman. You know, because Tarasenko's still out there, so we'll see what he has what he has up his sleeve. And hell, he still didn't announce uh Zajac and Parisa, yeah, yeah. Cool. Zajac shocked me. I don't know if you guys saw my face when he said Zajac. I was like, "What?" And good afternoon, everybody. By the way, <clears> yeah. on while we were talking, so uh, we didn't want to uh, interrupt our guest or anything like that. But yeah, uh, we're just we're catching up with some of these right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, no more liberties. I, I'm yeah. Even though I'm using Liberty for this, uh, I'm not a fan of the Liberty jersey. I'm just not. Um, Blasphemy. Blasphemy, yeah. blasphemy, blasphemy. And I feel like I should be using the shame gif right now from Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, this is great. The Islanders should go after Jack Johnson. Nah. <laughs> oh. it, it, you know what's funny? Arthur talked about Philadelphia, and I don't know if it's just the, the chaotic side of me or the fact that I'm not a fan of the Flyers at all, but wouldn't it be funny to see everything absolutely go haywire for the Flyers and the chaos that would ensue from that? It all depends on Carter Hart. If Carter Hart's oh, a civic, could you that, imagine yeah. if he has yeah. another stinker of the year and how bad? Like, let's just say Rist line is a dumpster fire in his own zone. He's even worse than yeah. Buffalo. They give him more responsibility, and then they end up having to blow everything up. And Drew's gone. Oh man. In, in that case, Chef, you're 100% right. No more liberty with the players. This is actually what we were talking about before Arthur came on. Um, so we'll just we'll finish that thought. But again, that's the the Rangers know they have protection now, and it, everything changes when you know that you got protection on the ice and somebody's got your back. Either um, if if you cough up the puck when you're trying to stick handle, or if there's just or if somebody's you think somebody's gonna take liberties and trying to run you. So there you go. One uh, thing um, that we didn't when. Staple what on we haven't actually we talked about the players he signed but we didn't go over the the years in terms so just uh, so everyone knows Kyle Palmieri was was four years five million um, Anthony Beauvillier was three years four point one million Ilya Sorokin was three years four million and Casey Zizekas was six years two and a half million which um, Elliot Friedman reported a long time ago that he heard that's what the deal was with Zizekas so he was a uh, you know, he was spot on with that, and Staple actually confirmed that yesterday that that was the years in AAV. And look, that was the only way for the Islanders to to keep Suzekis because there were there would have been teams. I mean, there was the report that Seattle was talking to him was going to offer him five, which would have been crazy high. But there would have been teams that would, no, definitely would have given him 
we definitely would have given him three and a half. You know, he was making 3.35 last year. So I think a team definitely would have given him 3.5, um, you know, if he was open to open to leaving. Um, but the only way for the Islanders to keep him was to give the six years uh, to keep the AAV down. So ultimately, it was the right choice for the Islanders to go with the, with the term there to keep him. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to. Do you think it's wise to be giving out the extra year? Because it, it always seems like it's either you give a million extra or it's an extra year. It, it, it goes back and forth on free agency with this. Uh, the Kyle Pozo, Andrew Ladd year. I know you want to block that from your mind. That was a year that they're like, oh, we'll just give out one more year. It's not going to affect us. Oops, it did. Um, is that really a wise thing to do? I know the low AEV with all these contracts, uh, Zach Hyman, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Casey Zekas, but still 2.5 on a 30 roll that plays physically. Uh, I can come back to bite you a little bit. That's my concern. And I've said this on here before is he's not a big guy and he plays very physical for his size. So I'm not worried about his production. I mean, his offensive numbers are really not what you're paying him for. And especially now that he's down from 3.5 to 2.5, even if, if even if the offense drops a little bit, you're, you're not really you're not really losing that much in value, considering you're paying them less. So my biggest concern is his body breaking down before the end of that contract, and years four through six could be bad if he starts to get hurt, and he's had some injuries. So that that's really the one thing that I have to worry about. I I, I love the term for him, two point five million is great for him. Because he's easily a three million dollar player. I mean, I, and like we said before, that that rumor of Seattle offering five, all right, that may have been a little high, but you could easily see multiple teams going to four for him, especially if good yeah. Joe, not for the Rangers. I, I, I could totally Definitely. see that. So um, I, I worry about his body breaking down due to the fact that he's uh, that he's a smaller guy, but he's ultra physical, kind of like how Ryan Callahan was. And you saw how his body broke down as, as quickly as it did. He went from a guy that when he was first traded to Tampa Bay that first season, 20 goals and 50 points. And then his body just deteriorated. It was like um, in the, the parody movie when they're parodying Rocky and the old guy gets punched and he turns into sand. <laughs> like that, that, That's basically how Callahan's body broke down. And honestly, if you're an Islander fan, that's the one thing I would worry about with Sezikis. I'm not worried about his production. I'm not worried about his defensive play. Those are going to be there, especially for 2.5 million. Even if it goes from a 30-point player to a 20-point player, you're not worried about that because the defensive game is so good, especially on a fourth-line situation, and the penalty killing as well, that you're getting your money's worth. It's just years four through six of that contract could be a problem. Yeah, no, you're right, and I'm not – and, you know, 2.5 isn't a lot of money. And as as we get, you know, go on here in years, the cap will eventually start to go up again. And you're talking by, you know, years four or five, the cap will likely be even higher at the point where 2.5, where it now is really like what, like 1.2, you know? So yeah. it, it's not really, I'm not really concerned about the dollar amount. Yeah, you're right. Four, years four through six, depending on how his body breaks down. Um, he might not be that effective anymore, but in which case, for that dollar amount, you could just you know bury him, wave him, and it's not a huge deal. But I'm glad I'm glad he's back, you know, because this is a guy that was like the identity of the Islanders. So um, it's good it, to have. If him only back. he played on a line that was named that. 
Yeah. So. yeah. And then Palmieri, Palmieri was essentially essentially swapped with Eberle. They got rid of Eberle, who was making five and a half million, and they gave that money to Palmieri. So that was kind of like a even an even swap up, pretty much. So Palmieri at four see. times five is, you know, is fine by me. I I I don't mind the deal at all. I, all right. I, I wish I could insert memes and stuff like that there. I would have inserted the not sure if serious meme. <laughs> Just to mess with you. Yeah. Well, um, we have um, we have Ryan we have Ryan Carter coming on in ten minutes, so I don't know if it's worth it to start bar talk yet. That's just my. You know, actually, I, I'm sorry. I got away from that. I, I thought it was one thirty for him to get on. So yeah, one ten. Okay. So no, no. We'll, we'll keep it going then. Uh, and actually, uh, that's, sorry about everybody. We'll get we're gonna answer some of these um some of the the comments then. Yeah, Hunter. Yeah, Skinner. we could probably do that for a couple minutes. I would say. Yeah. You know? Hunter Skinner. Yes, he's got a good chance too. There's, but again, keep in mind there's only six spots. For, for your defense, uh, so. I, I I wouldn't. I, if you're talking about Hunter Skinner, I don't know how legitimate of a chance he actually has. Chris Frost, um, he's not really. Um, I, I think if he makes the NHL, he's probably a sixth defenseman. And I think with the defense, with the way that they are right now, I I, I don't see how he gets in front unless he's more mature physically, and they think that he's ready to take. Of the physical load of the NHL on that may give him a chance for a small window over some of these other prospects and other defenders in the system. So otherwise I, I don't, I don't think I agree with that. Um, Chris, I was a little bit annoyed myself when the Ryan Callahan for Marty St. Louis deal went down. And then of course the two draft picks that they gave up, which were essentially by the way, second rounders they were the the last picks in the first round but you know what it's it's the reason why i was annoyed is because teams that trade their captains never had success i believe the rangers were the first team ever to get rid of their captain mid-season and make the stanley cup finals they were also the first team to have a goalie play in the gold medal game and the stanley cup finals in the same season so they really broke a lot of trends that year so hopefully Mm. Hopefully that'll continue this year in case if uh, Russia needs um, uh, Igor Sesterkin. Hopefully not Ilya Sorokin in net. Just saying. <laughs> don't, please don't ever remind me of the Eric Stahl trade. Yeah. Um, I, I already have enough things in Rangers history that can give me a major case of PTSD. I don't need another. Yeah, please. but uh, the Eric Stahl trade, they gave up. A yeah, I mean, it didn't. It, it, it didn't kill anything. them in the end, but um, uh, it was Alexi Sorella, Chris G. Yeah, um, but it was. Um, it's still. It's. I. I don't need visions of Eric Stahl playing as a Ranger, someone who was completely out of shape at that time and just looked like he just was mailing it in. So, hundred percent, Joe, hundred percent on that one. Um, <sighs> wait, Anthony, what's a trade that you, that gives you some PTSD? Are you kidding? Um, the, the Ziggy Palfi trade, uh, the Pierre Turgeon trade. Um, those are, those are really the, the main two, uh, for sure. Um, I know every, you talk about the Yashin trade and, and looking back on it. Yeah. I mean, they, they gave away Char who was incredible for many years and, but in hindsight that, you know, in the meantime, it gave them success for what three, you know, three years in a row. They made the playoffs, um, bad trade, 
but I put Palfi and Turjan much higher than that in terms of giving me PTSD. I mean, hey, Anthony, it's terrible. <laughs> Did terrible. you ever hear about the trade that almost sent Palfi to the Rangers in '99? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty yeah. pretty bad. Um, it that, was that would have made it much worse. It, it was, it, it, and I I came over this before, and I just wanted to look at it. It was. Um, Nicholas Sundstrom, Todd Harvey, um, for, for Paul Fee and Rich Pilon. Um, the Rangers were adding a first rounder, uh, a minor league prospect, and two and a half million. Um, but the part of the the deal that the reason why the deal was nixed was the fact that um, it involved cable TV rights. With the Islanders, yeah. So it, it, I, I have to. I, I'm trying to find it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Over. I mean, that would have made so much worse. As it is, it was bad. I mean, you're talking. And I'm with you, Shannon. I, I, I actually, I did cry when Turgeon was traded. Matter of fact, I remember it, and not something that I, uh, I want to remember, frankly. But I mean, that was just a, that was a terrible trade. I mean, Turgeon and 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 Malikoff. Yeah, sure, you got Matthew Schneider back in the deal, but, I mean, it was Kirk Muller who didn't even want to be here. It was terrible. By the way, everybody, uh, while we're talking about this, throw down some of the the trades that made you want to cry in the the comments right now. Um, But, hey, Ole Jokinen, Matthew Matthew Buran. Josh Green? It was just Josh Green, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The the reason... But, but again, the reason why it was bad was because the best player in that trade was Ole Jokinen. By the way, screw you, Ole Jokinen from Ranger fans. Is um, that then they flipped Ole Jokinen and Roberto Longo around for uh, uh, Ole Kabasha, Mark Parrish, and uh, a pick that I think – no, Branislav Meze was in that deal too. And it's um, <laughs> turning and turning around and going – <laughs> just i mean like what were you doing and then they gave up so they gave up a 30 goal scorer and their best goalie prospect because rick dipietro could handle the puck that's that's really what it came down to R- roberto Luongo yeah. was the number one prospect according to hockey um hockey digest two years in a row the hockey news i'm sorry yeah. two years in a row what was he doing trading him that was an that was an overzealous an overzealous move i i think he just you know, the, the, one of those situations where grass is the greener on the other side. No, Pietro would have made his puck handling ability would have made a difference on top of his athletic ability, but he got it wrong. That that's one of those. Was, yeah, that that's one of those. I think I'm the smartest guy in the room type moves is what that was. Just, I don't know. Listen, Pietro at his peak, good goalie, not elite or anything, not not great, but good. I, I think he was nearing that in the 2005-2006 season. He was a good personality for the NHL, too. And, of course, he pulled out his hip at the All-Star game. And I don't think he was ever the same after that. He even said it yeah, on, that... on air. It was like, I think I just yeah. pulled out my hip. Yeah. 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 And, and unfortunately for him and his life, it him failing was the greatest thing ever for him. Because then – 
he, he's he's one of the most self-referential athletes of all time. Mike Tyson being number one that he'll just he'll look back and go, what the hell was I thinking back then? <laughs> it's it's just that um, some of these trades, by the way, Oliokin and Chris, you're right. That's why I always make that comment. That wonderful shootout move. I mean, if he would have done the Kucherov, it would have been a better move. Um, the McDonough trade right now, the jury's still out. And the only reason why the jury's still out. Nels Longquist. Nels Longquist. That's it. Um, but right now, it's two Stanley Cups. We'll see about Nels Longquist. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for Ryan Carter to join us momentarily. You know, talk some uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Um, you know, that, and that that's a huge. That's probably the biggest RFA unsigned right now, unless you want to go Elias Pedersen. Um, All right, Pedersen, I would say. I'll go with Elias Pedersen, but also, yeah. Talk to him. The, the, real, the real question, by the way, I think, and the one I'm going to ask as well, is what exactly is the fate of Minnesota? Yes, Chris, that Ryan Carter, by the way. It, it's him. Yeah. Um, in our group chat, when Anthony announced that we're going to have Ryan Carter on, I, I got out all my expletives <laughs> on Ryan Carter. As much as he'll he'll live in Ranger fan infamy forever. <laughs> yeah, he's the color he's the color guy for the Wild. I think yeah, Anthony, I think Anthony Lapanta does the play by play, and he's the he's like the color analyst. Yeah, I mean it's um again. By the way, while we're on this conversation, uh, these are the guests that Anthony's getting. So again, just you know, good job to the guy that's down there in the bottom. Uh, got to give him a round of applause, but I mean, oh, oh, hey, Anthony, by the way, you know what? Because, well, first you were away, but also since the Islanders got all those guys on those deals, we haven't been able to do this in a while. Got to rain some cash down because Lou was spending. <laughs> ah. I mean, that's what happened. We were doing that for every yeah. free agent signing uh, on Dollar dollar bill, y'all. That dollar, dollar, you bill, have to take the sound clip from Wu Tang Clan. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> but um, but again, going uh, going back to oh, by the way, speak of the devil. Here is Ryan Carter joining us right now. All right, <laughs> how are you doing, Ryan? Thanks. Thanks. For... Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks. How about you guys? Thanks for joining us. How's uh, how's your summer been going? Uh, really good. Yeah. I mean, it's flying by. Uh, it's crazy. Look back on it and, uh, and get the question. What have you done? I don't feel like I've done a ton, but the days have kind of flown <laughs> by. <you know? laughs> um, so obviously you're a color guy for the wild analyst. Let's start there. Um, you know, before we talk about Kirill Kaprizov, in your opinion, what's going on there? Were you, were you surprised or caught off guard when Bill Guerin decided to buy out Suter and Frise? Or were you just in the line of thinking that maybe they buy out Frise, but not so Suter? Um, and, the, you know, the thought process that you think that went on behind there to do that. Yeah, no, uh, I was completely caught off guard. And to be honest with you, it uh, um, I, I was surprised that they bought out Parisi in and of itself. I mean, you look at the cap recapture counties and um, you look at a team like Tampa, they, they ended up having to spend, what was it, like 90-something million bucks. And uh, that's, you know, they found a way spending a little bit more than the cap. It, it makes it that much more challenging when you're going to take some money off that and try to win future years. So. I didn't think buyout was probably going to be the divorce between the two. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I was caught off guard. Um, where I think the, the thought process comes 
um, and and why they moved on from those guys is it's a younger core and in a different team, and and they've tried that experiment um, for you know a handful of years, and and they haven't won with those guys at the core. So maybe something had to change, and maybe it was going to be painful, and they're willing to accept that. But um, recent history here, they moved on from Jason Zucker, who the fans loved here. He was very productive. Uh, move him off to pit. Uh, and it was almost like a, a light switch went off and Kevin Fiala just blossomed. He grew. And with those minutes, um, his offensive production jumped. You name it, you saw him grow in his confidence and everything. And um, it was entirely tied to the opportunity that he was given. Now you look at fast forward 12 months and uh, Miko Koigu, they decide that they're not going to resign. He's maybe got a little bit of gas left in the tank. Uh, they don't bring him back. And what does that do? Yeah. That catapults Joel Erickson Eck up the roster. And now he's getting huge minutes. He's in front of the net on a power play. He's the number one guy in the penalty kill. And what did we see out of him this year? A massive year, right? And and he earned himself a nice contract because of that. But uh, there's certainly growth in both those guys, and they're both tied to um, the holes left by other veteran players that occupied them. So I think the thought process is, hey, that worked for us, and, and we're a younger team. Now we've got some holes and some good young players in the system. Let's give them a chance. And and maybe one of those vehicles was buying out Suter and Parisi. Brian, speaking of players in the system, uh, what do you think of uh, Marco Rossi? Do you see him sticking with the roster this year? And how big of an impact do you think he could make? Uh, you know, I, I don't think that they're just going to, to give roster spots up to guys because of where they're drafted. Now, yes, he's a first round pick and, um, there has been some hype around here. He had last year off. Now, would it be advantageous for a guy who took a year off who had some medical issues to, to maybe spend some time in their minor league affiliate and play in Iowa? Uh, personally, yeah, I, I think that that probably would be advantageous. But would I be surprised if he makes the club out of camp? Uh, no. Again, I think a lot of this is tied to, um, you know, the buyouts of those two guys. And, and But I don't think that they're going to jeopardize um, the long-term success of the player to have a short-term fix on their roster, if that makes sense. Like there may be a hole in the middle or they may be struggling, but they're not going to just plug a young guy in there and maybe set him up for a failure. I think they're going to do what's best for that. Now he's like we talked about, he's, uh, he's everything that I think the wild need right now, uh, if he can live up to expectation, but I don't think that they're going to rush him. They need somebody that can play in the middle that, um, you know, can play between some skilled guys and get up and down the ice, win some battles. I think we saw that in the playoffs too, where you, you saw maybe Kaprizov have to, where in the regular season, there was a little bit more room out there and, and he has good chemistry with Zuccarello and they could go East and West and find some space on the ice that really dried up in the playoffs. And and you saw Kaprizov's game kind of change a little bit where he had to go in the corner and, and he had to try to win those battles and get that puck out to the middle of the ice and try to find some scoring areas that he could feed people in, right? Um, and it didn't work and it, he didn't have as good a production. So they need to find somebody, a workhorse like that, a centerman maybe that can get in there on the forecheck number one, win some battles, and then make some skilled plays. And is Marco Rossi that guy? Yeah, on paper and what we've seen in junior, yeah, absolutely he's that guy. But again, I don't think that they're going to just pencil him in there and say, this is your spot to lose. I think he's going to have to earn it. Ryan, do you think that um, the con the cap situations over the next two years, are they are the Wilds still in on Jack Eichel possibly, or is that just not going to happen? 
Yeah, um, I think, you know, I think they're still in on them. Um, I think the phones are always open. I think we at least we hear Bill Guerin say that if there's an opportunity to make the club better, that they'll certainly listen to it and, and um, do their due diligence. I, w- I wouldn't say they're up, but what I would say, and I don't know Jack Eichel's contract that well, but if he has trade protection or not, but if, if you get an asset that has that much value and you give it a chance for a year and then you get yourself in a pickle, I think you'll, you'll have a chance to move that asset again at a later date. So um, and for that reason alone, um, I think that they'd be in on Jack Eichel. Like, let's, let's see if we can try it for a year. And, you know, if it works great, if we get ourselves in some cap issues later, maybe we figure that out later. But um, I think anytime you can get your hands on a player of that caliber, um, and, and at that position, you do your best. So um, I don't think that door is closed, but, um, yeah, we'll see. Now, Ron, you mentioned Kaprizov before, and he's everything the Wild fans hoped for. Um, he was dynamic. Uh, he was fun to watch. Uh, I loved watching him play. You know, So what's the status on his contract? I know you hear about the, the room a couple of weeks ago, CS, CSKA in Moscow was going to get him back, but then they denied that themselves uh, like a week ago or so. Um, but do you see this lasting much longer or do you think that they're going to be able to agree to terms here soon? Well, I think, I think every good agent and every good general manager probably doesn't show their full hand till the 11th hour, right? Until they need to. So I I think that's part of the reason why, um, this is taking a while. Um, they're both trying to do their best, um, for what they're representing. Uh, Kaprizov, I mean, you look at it and, and all you can do is from afar, he's in Russia right now. you look at it and what he posts on Instagram or on Twitter and the training videos, he doesn't look to be a guy stressed out like he's in a situation where he doesn't know if he's going to have a gig or if he's going to go someplace else. Um, he looks comfortable. So to me, it, it seems like a situation where he's he's given his agent kind of free reign and say, hey, you handle this. Just make sure I'm at camp uh, when it starts because the NHL is where I want to be. I don't want to be in the KHL. Like, And it doesn't make sense to me why he would – he'd come over in a pandemic, leave his family, everything else there, um, come on an entry-level contract, probably take a pay cut just to get leverage to go back and maybe make a little bit more money and stay in the KHL. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So um, I think a lot of people called that bluff. He wants to be in the NHL. He doesn't have arbitration rights. Um, so at some point, one of these sides are going to have to give or they do find a way to meet in the middle. Uh, ultimately, I do believe that is going to happen. Um, what the term of the money is, I'm not quite sure. But you look around. I think it has to be good for the wild camp when you look around the league and you see that Couturier and, and Svechnikov signing at eight years, 7.75. You look at those deals and you're like, well, Caprice, you got 56 games played. Now, these guys are a little <laughs> bit more established and they're producing at the exact same yeah. rate. Um, yeah. You know, maybe maybe we should look at that. You know, so I think that has to be good for the wild camp and get things done at a number that they're comfortable with. Yeah. Carson Susi was a pretty big loss for the wild to uh, Seattle. Um, what do you think of Kulikov and um, Goligoski and which one do you think replaces his minutes? Yeah, good question. Uh, the Wild, now this is where I think they went into the summer. This is probably the strength of their team was their decor. I mean, they, you had that top pair where it was Suter and Spurgeon and then Dumba and Brodeen. And, 
um, the the sneaky, really solid pair that made this decor probably one of the best in the NHL was Susie and Ian Cole. Um, they were so dependable. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think they were probably like plus 35 combined or something. And out of your five, six to get that type of production. Now they weren't throwing a ton of points on the board, but when that, when that pairing is plus 30, plus 30 something combined, I mean, that's fantastic. You know, that's all you ask for out of your shutdown guys is don't get scored Absolutely. on. And if you happen to be on the ice where you're leading to, to situations where, you know, you're in the plus category, that's fantastic. Um, but and up losing both those guys, Susie, Ian Cole, and then as you mentioned, uh, Ryan Suter too. So they've got some backfill guys, and now it's, there's going to be some shuffle where there was a lot of familiarity and everybody knew their role. There's maybe going to be some change in what those roles look like. Um, at least right off the bat, I think based on mobility, it's going to be Goligoski and Spurgeon on that top pair, probably playing top line minutes, um, power play special teams. Uh, I think Kulikov will probably be that five six guy off the bat and um, with nothing being set in stone. But I, I think those are the guys. And then they, they go out and sign Jordy Ben. So I think they're looking for a little rugged piece back there, maybe to replace Ian Cole. So it's a Kulikov and, and, and Ben on that five six. And um, uh, where does Johnny Merrill fit in that too? You know, is he, is he the 70? Uh, but yeah, so I, I think that's the way it's going to shake out. Galagos is going to play alongside uh, Spurgeon for sure, and then it's going to be a battle for uh, probably between three to four guys for those final two spots, five and six. Hey, Ryan, just out of curiosity, um, uh, all your years uh, playing in the NHL and now you're an, an analyst, you ever look at some of the players and just go, that guy reminds me of the way I used to play? <laughs> uh, uh, no, because I actually I actually think most of the people in the NHL right now are good players, and I never thought of myself as a good player. Uh, 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 that 2012 playoff against the Rangers would say differently, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no. Um, I mean, you look around, and I don't know that there are guys that I would compare myself to right now, but I just went out and, and truly wanted to win and chase winning, and if that meant being – F1 on the four check, if that meant having to fight somebody, uh, that's what I was really willing to do. Um, you know, the, it's the one thing you can't do when you're done playing is chase that winning, right? You can go make money, you can go to work, you can do other stuff, but you really just don't, you don't have a chance to win like you do when you played. So towards the end of my career, that's just really what I focused on. I, I see that in a lot of players out on the ice, right? Like just a, a strong desire to win, but um, certainly something that was valuable to me. All right. All right. I'm a I'm an Islander fan, so I'm going to troll these guys because they're Ranger fans. So I want to thank you for beating them in 2012. Here we go. On the Devils, but um, when you look back on that 20 team that went to the finals and played the Kings with Kovalchuk and Frise and and Zajac, Andy Green, etc. Um, you know, what do you remember most about that team, and what made you guys, you know, such a special team and got you as far as it did? Are you wondering this now because the Islanders are kind of like the new Devils? <laughs> he's wondering this because he wants to stick the knife in us and just turn it a little bit while you're on well, i think he's hoping his islanders do it to the rangers this year because they have zajac green uh there's rumors that parisi's gonna end up there so there's a pretty decent core from that devil's run that might be on the islanders but um you know, there's a there's a lot of lessons I learned playing with that club, um, and and under Lou Lamarillo, it's just kind of discipline, right, and and play your role, and if everybody just kind of buys into uh, a system and doing things the right way, you can have a lot of success. 
Um, we did that. We were certainly in 12, we weren't the, the sexiest team on paper or on the ice, nowhere near it. Um, but, but, and, and, and quite frankly, we were old, right? We were, we were an old club too. Uh, but what we, what we wanted was to win and we knew the, the way at which we had to play to win. And we went out and executed that. We stuck with it. And, you know, it's a, I think that team's another good example of, you know, a regular season team may have a lot of success and they can fill the net and they can play a different way. But when you get into a seven game series, you can really build a club that over the long term can beat like a super sexy fast team if they play a structured, disciplined, sound, big, heavy game, right? And uh, there's something to be said about it where hey, I'm, not, I'm not trying to win the President's Trophy. I, I don't think this team is built that way. Yeah. And that's not how I'm going to approach my offseason. I'm building this team to win a playoff series or two or maybe be the team that can come out of the east or something right and um, I think that's the way that team was built we were not super sexy probably beat all expectation of everybody except uh, those of us in that locker room because we knew what we were willing to do what was your reaction Uh, I don't know if uh let me just pull up this comment real quick what was your reaction when you Artie Rodor make that heel save on Gabrick because it probably gave me and Mark like I we threw probably shit fits when we saw it. So I'd imagine I want to know what it was like for you being on the other side of things. No, that was one of the ones where so Marty, gosh, it's great. I played with Marty later on in my career, and you know, he's kind of a guy that you idolize and then you get a chance to play alongside of him and you know, in practice, maybe you can put a few passes and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good. <laughs> but what really differentiated him, right, is that, is that he could make those big saves in the big moments. Um, and that's what I remember is that's being, that, that being one and sitting on the bench and jaw hitting the floor. And, and all of a sudden it's like, that's why he's Marty Brodeur, right? Like, <laughs> that's why he's maybe the greatest that's ever played the position, you know, because it's those kinds of saves that he would make. And he wasn't trying to make those saves in practice. That's why he could put a couple past him but uh, when he wanted to he could make the big one yeah and a matter of fact the rangers did not lose three games in a row all that year and then you guys game four game five (laughs) game six and over time it took for game six so uh anthony if you got another question (laughs) yeah uh well i guess before before you go ryan i know um you know, a lot of times when guys are on, you know, NHL Live, they, you know, ask them like from music question or whatnot. But like, we're video game guys. Do you, you have a, do you have a classic video game you remember playing as a kid that was your favorite or something that sticks out that you enjoyed doing when you were younger? Yeah, there's two. Uh, Mike Tyson, Punch Out, um, nice. and and the other one was Contra. You guys remember Contra? Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Up, yeah. up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> select start, oh, boom, punch unlimited out. lives, now I got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to go play Contra. Right. Now, did you have the Mike Tyson one? Because I had the one, I guess, where he got in trouble and they replaced him with Mr. Dream in the game, that version of it. But he there was a version where he was still in the game. That was the original. Yeah. 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 You know, I had yeah, Mike Tyson punch great. out. Yeah. Yeah. And then we did the same thing, like NHL 93, 94, where Jeremy Roenick was like a beast. Remember that? Like he had the. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Jeremy Roenick is almost in the Bo Jackson category in 90, in the first two NHL (laughs) games. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where you, you did that wrap around slap shot every time. Oh, every time. About it. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Ryan, thank, thanks for joining us. Uh, season of training camp open about three weeks from now. So you're going to get going. And uh, hopefully uh, the Wild have a good season. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Kaprizov back on the ice because, he, you know, he's special to watch. So, um, but thanks for taking the time out to join really? us. I much appreciated. Yeah, no sweat. Thanks, guys. Uh, good luck out east, and uh, hopefully we we'll run into you uh, when it really yes. matters at the end of the year, right? So, all right, all take right. it easy. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Would love to see that. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks a lot, Ryan. See you. Have a good day. <laughs> and uh, there it is. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, that was uh, great. Ryan Carter's video game selections. Love it. Love it. Scorpion save. Oh my goodness. The scorpion. I had to save. ask him about I saw Chris G. I saw that that comment and I, I had to put that up because I just you know what? I, I have to think about it. Like I well, obviously me and you, Mark, sitting there, literally our jaws are dropped, but with like the most downtrodden of looks on our faces when it happens, and we're probably screaming out every expletive in the book. And Ryan's over there on the other side, and his jaw's like, like yeah, God, <laughs> this guy is God for a reason. But that's why, you know what? That's that. Oh, Mutant League Hockey, by the way. Great one. Mutant League Hockey. Uh, was, was I'm trying to remember what the Yarmer Jaeger uh, was. Uh, I think that might have been. No, <laughs> Did you just call him Jaeger? <laughs> no, no. That's what the name was in Mutant League Hockey. Oh. oh. Yeah. It was it was definitely Jaeger. I do know that it wasn't Jager. It was that was it was something oh, like that. Yeah, just uh, I got to check with my brother Dan because he probably remembers all those. But yeah, great great question on the video game one. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's it's I bury that memory of him being left all alone in front of uh, the net. But you know what? After all, that's Henrik Lundqvist's fault, right, haters? All right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah seriously. Yeah, that uh, that he got left all on the front. I'll just blame Delzato because it's the easiest thing to do <laughs> nowadays. Blame you know, blame blame when in doubt, blame Delzato. All right, guys, we still got a lot we gotta we gotta get to today. Uh, we're gonna speed <laughs> this up now a little bit. So we're going to our ball chalk segments. I'm gonna take a shot on this one. I'm gonna say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh my god. So, everybody, welcome back to the Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk segment, where we uh, where we gauge NHL topics based on our toy, a toy, our choice of drink. <laughs> oh, wow. There were too many words going through my head all at once. And on this edition of Mark Can't Speak. <laughs> well, at least it's better than Cockney Emmy. I mean, oh, geez. I'll give you a pass on that because that name can kind of be a little. Yeah, it's it's sort of like could can you change it just 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 to Niemi or well, something? Spanish I don't know. games are hard at times. I know Kako is very easy. Thank you, Capo. Uh, so anyway, yeah. All right. So Sean Couturier's deal will make Mika's advantage ads new deal a little bit cheaper. We'll say it like that because it was kind of going to go long. Phil to you. Yeah, um, I'm going to buy around on this. Uh, Sean Gattori's deal is going to keep Mika Zibanejad more to the eight eight and a half billion range rather than the, I'm going to say rumored very loosely because while I have a lot of respect for Larry Brooks, 
he tends to sometimes have reporting informative type pieces and then he has musing type pieces which is fine but Larry Brooks had a musing that Mika Zibanejad could be asking for 10 million I don't think that's going to happen um so I, I think Sean Couturier and his new deal will keep Mika Zibanejad more so in a ballpark that the Rangers would be comfortable signing him to so I'm I'm buying everybody around on this Anthony yeah, I'm gonna go around too. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I don't think Zibanejad is gonna get 10 million. And you know, you know, I know Svechnikov was an RFA, but you know, he got 7.75. Katori got 7.75. Um, you know, Zibanejad, uh, you know, probably score more than Katori, but Katori is on another level defensively. I mean, this is like a selfie type guy. Um, but overall, I, I think it will keep Zibanejad in this in that range, eight, eight and a quarter, eight and a half. Um, so I'm full agreement there with Filk on that one with the round. I, I'd be shocked if he still got, you know, nine and a half or 10. Uh, unfortunately, I got to go beer. And the reason why is because if he puts up another 40 goal season, it don't matter uh, what Sean Couturier got or what Svechnikov got. I mean, he had 41 in 56 two seasons ago. He was um, unhealthy to start the season. And then now, and, and he's also going to be a UFA. UFAs want more money. So you, you, you can't really bridge them that much. Uh, I, that's just the way it is. Tomas Hurdle is a better and more, rister, more realistic trade option for the New York Rangers than Jack Eichel. I'll start this one off, guys. And it's I'm buying everybody around on that. More realistic and um, and a better option because they don't have to give up that much. You don't have to worry about surgery. And on top of it, uh, he's this is his last year of his deal. Go, Rangers could go get him tomorrow if they want to. They can get him at the trade deadline if, if they want to. And he wants out, and he's affordable. I think it's only six, uh, just under six million or around six million. So, Philk. Yeah, uh, definitely. He has one year left on his deal, as you stated. Uh, it's at $5.625 million. Um, if they're looking to re-sign him long-term, I'm going to say he could be anywhere in the range from 6.5 to 7.5 million. If you can get him and Mika Zibanejad locked up for about 16 million combined AAV, um, you not only set your center depth at your one, two positions for the foreseeable future, because Hurdle's still young enough to be with this team, fits right in with their timeline because they want to compete sooner than later. And you gain much needed cap flexibility as opposed to adding Eichel, even though he's younger with the extra three and a half million that it would take uh, on the AAV. And you don't have to worry about the major neck injury that um, Eichel has. So uh, I'm buying everybody another round on this. <laughs> and I'll have to put that up again. Anthony, going to you. Um, I'm buying everyone around as well. Um, All right, I can just leave it up. I, I, I Please sweep times two. Um, like you said, his age still fits in with the Rangers are looking to do. Um, he doesn't have a neck injury. Um, he's he makes a very very reasonable amount of money right now. And even if even when you resign him, he's still going to make a reasonable number. It's not going to be ten million. Um, he's good in the circle, and you know. 
you know, he's an uber talented guy. You know, look at you know between the legs goal he scored against Baran. He's fast. He's got hands. Um, I I honestly think he'd be a perfect fit for the Rangers. So yeah, definitely around. Much better. Yeah, choice. and then, and you know what? We we threw out everything. And the other thing is, uh, if you get him right now and he doesn't fit in, he's gone. That's it's like the one year of his deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, I do believe somebody asked this to Arthur Staple. We'll have that video again for the short uh, versions. But Ilya Sorokin will take the reins from Simeon Vormolamov. Anthony, it's your question. It's all you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go beer. Um, I think what Staple said is accurate. I think based on just you know um, resume and being that he's the veteran and he's been outstanding. Um, Varlamov's gonna start the era as the guy. But again, remember, this is an 82-game season, so Sorokin, just on that alone, is going to play more. Um, you know, he proved himself, so I think he'll get more starts. It's just going to matter of, of, you know, how well he plays, how well Varlamov plays. And like Staple said, Varlamov's getting older. Um, you know, there's the Olympic aspect of it. So I, I could see a scenario where at some point during the season, you know, it becomes like a 50-50 split, and then maybe Sorokin taking the reins at the end. But um, in the beginning, it's it's going to be Varlamov, so that's why I'm not going around here or anything. Um, but I, I do think it could happen sometime in the middle towards the later part of the year. Phil, I'm going to ruin this clean sweep thing that we have going. By the way, we should get a broom going across the screen for that. I'll work on that for us. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to I'm going to go a shot here. Um, the reason for this is I, I think I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I like the angry face there. Do you like the angry face? I do right. like the angry I, I face there. I need to get him more animated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that. But um, while I think it's possible, I, I don't see it happening because, as Anthony said, this is – or as even – I think Staples said it himself. Um, this is the first 82-game season in two years. So uh, it's a lot to ask of a young goaltender like Sorokin who really doesn't have a whole lot of games under his belt – to really kind of take, start taking the reins from Varlamov in a season. And Varlamov, you got to remember, Varlamov's been the guy that's gotten them to the conference finals. I mean, Sorokin won them the Penguin Series. Yes, that's true. But um, Varlamov has been the guy that's really carried the, 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 the ship as the number one goaltender. So really to kind of take the reins from him in the first 82-game season back is going to be a really big ask. I don't see it happening. I don't – and. Another point to that is that, you know, Staple was talking about how Lou isn't going to trust a young player to just take those big minutes when we were talking about, like, the defense and the forward positions. He's not going to do the same in net. And that that's just Trotz. That's what, you know, that's what Trotz does. He he leans on his veterans, and I think they're going to lean on Varlama for at least one more season. I think the split will look something like a – I don't know, maybe a 58-24 split for Varlamov to Sorokin, or maybe it could even be a 50-30, but you're going to be looking at something like that. And then I think if Varlamov starts to falter at that point, then Sorokin could. But if Varlamov plays as consistently as he has, for these two years so far, for the previous two seasons, then I, I, I think I don't think that's happening. So I'm going to say shot here. 
I'm going to ruin it as well because uh, I'm going to go buy an everybody round on this. The reason why for me is uh, Varlamov has been injury free as an Islander goaltender. So that can come into play. They were adding on if he goes to play for Russia. That's one. Uh, I thought Varlamov was going to be the starter after the first round last year. Sorry, I mean, Sorokin, I mean, because uh, he was clearly the better goaltender versus the Penguins. And then lastly, I think what the rigors of this season might be physically demanding, and Sorokin might just be better and just take it away. Hey, Brody, how's it going? Haven't seen you in a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, I, I think they could very well, Sorokin could take this job. Um, moving on to the next one. The Cock Kaniemi offer sheet will be the last we'll see in the NHL for a while. Anthony? Um, I, I'm gonna go. And I'll go round. Um, you know, I, you know, aside from the Aho offshoot two years ago, you hadn't seen one in a long time. Um, it might have even been the before the before the Aho one. It might have even been the Shea Weber offshoot. Shea Weber was the. It. No, yeah. no, it wasn't Weber. It was um O'Reilly, I believe. Yeah, O'Reilly right, by the Calgary Flames. That was. I thought that was. Yeah. All right. So, I mean. I still, I don't, I don't see. Think we're going to see one. They're uncommon just for these reasons alone. Because teams lo- likely know you might, you know, might have uh, some revenge coming down the pike after. Um, one that long ago, where the the Blues um, and the Canucks got into an offer sheet war with uh, Steve Bernier and Ryan Kessler, there was, it was revenge oh. exacted on that one. <laughs> Um, so that, this is the type of reason why we don't see him. So no, I mean, unless unless a team throws out an offer sheet to a player. Uh, and then the other team responds a year or two later. I, I don't. I don't see it happening. I, I, so I'm. I'm pretty confident when I say our, you know, round here. I think. I think we won't see it quite some time. Uh, Phil, uh, I'm buying everybody around on this. Um, as I said before, we everybody talked about. Well, you don't see see offer sheets and you know and everything like that. And you know, this is why. You don't see them because the unwritten rules are there for a reason. And Brian Burke, um, I was watching something on NHL Network, and Brian Burke talked about how the reason why he was pissed at Kevin Lowe for the Dustin Penner offer sheet was because he never got a heads up from him. So when you talk about unwritten rules and you want to sit there and you want to make fun of that, there is a code of conduct amongst these general managers behind the scenes. It really does exist. So don't, don't, don't stick your nose up at it. It does exist. And this is part of why we're not going to see one for, I don't know, another five plus years, I would say. I'm going to go beer because if it makes sense for your franchise, you're going to, you're going to do it. Uh, If you're, let's say for instance, uh, a team that wants a number one center right now and has prospects, Mm galore and whatever like all of us kind of the, the the people in the comments have been talking about this left and right let's say like the new york rangers <laughs> and um uh chris jury paging chris jury hello yes and it's hi so hi it's, chris yeah. jury um there might be this guy out there named elias Pettersson. uh that do you do you have any interest in him and and that's exactly why folks that's exactly why and you know something that's that that's what will happen then they'll go look we'll get them right now we'll get them for a a good deal 
Um, but it's going to be like, it's probably going to be more like the Montreal situation where you're not going to risk getting, giving up. Uh, I forget what the top tier is. It's not five first round draft picks anymore, but no, still, four. I mean, no, it is four. It is four. four and okay. I think like a second yeah. rounder and something else. Right. So, I mean, you can rebuild a franchise that way. If you're the Canucks, just to go find uh, Elias, get the hell out of here. And uh, the Rangers get back Elias Pettersson. Yay. They're, they're all good. And the Rangers, their prospect pool is is awesome right now, so why not? The only problem that you have with something like that is that Pedersen is not an eleven plus million dollar player right now, as we speak. He could be. He very well could be very soon, but it's it's a risky proposition. And if, if somebody's going to do it one one of these days, somebody so is. Uh, I, I'm surprised nobody's done it to Vancouver because. They have the problem with their cap space and him and Quinn Hughes. Yes. And that's part of the problem when you pay your, your young players too early. Um, or when you pay Tyre Myers uh, $6 million. Or when you uh, pay a young center in his third season, uh, you get him an uh, eight-year, $10 million a year extension. Because we're going to Jack Eichel right now. And uh, Pat Brinson, who is the new agent for Brisson. Jack Eichel, to <laughs> see the segue I had right there, will Brisson. help speed up a Jack Eichel trade. And if I could add another name in there, it would be Donald Fear, because here's a newsflash for everybody. The NHLPA met with the NHL about the Jack Eichel situation. More on that in about 10 seconds. But I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. They're going to definitely put the screws to Kevin Adams and uh, – because if this is about players' health, uh, Buffalo's in trouble. And they're going to have to try to find a deal for Eichel right now or let him get the surgery. So that that's going to help things right away. Philk? Yeah, uh, I'm going to say a beer here. Um, I, I, I'm fairly confident it will because of the fact that Paprasson is the NHL equivalent of someone like Scott Boris or Drew Rosenhaus. He's a super agent. He's arguably the best agent in the NHL for for anyone's money. If you ask all the the analysts, the experts, the first name that'll come up from them is Pepperson. And um, he knows how to work teams, general managers, organizations. He knows all the he knows all the ropes. Uh, no disrespect to Eichel's two previous agents, the two Peters, um, but Pepperson's on another level. And this is a guy who's been around the block more than once. He's dealt with these situations. He's more than well equipped to handle them. So um, I'm definitely very curious to see what happens here, but I, I, I think it will. It's just, I, I think there's the surgery part of it is really what kind of sl- keeps the process a little closer to where it is now, but it definitely accelerated and Paprasan is not going to take Kevin Adams is, is, is garbage. He's not going to deal with it. So uh, I'm going to say a beer here. Anthony. Um, I think that the big, the big issue here is the surgery and the timeline. I mean, he's probably going to be out until December. Um, and I think teams are going to be skeptical about trading for a guy um, where they don't know what the results of the surgery is going to be, you know, how he's going to be after he comes back and, and whatnot. And I think that's going to scare teams off because um, they, they just simply don't know. 
Um, so Pat Brisson, while you know he's an elite agent and can probably turn up the heat on Kevin Adams, I, I don't I don't think it's gonna like make wonders where he's gonna be traded, you know, tomorrow. Um, but I also do think you know he will be traded faster than where if he kept the same representation. Um, but I still think it's going to take a little bit of time here because of his health issues. So um, good move for Jack Eichel to do this, but because he's going to be out for a while, I, I don't think teams are going to be pounding on the door to make this happen by, you know, ASAP. If anything, by the way, all this conversation with Pat Brisson and uh, presumably Donald Fear or whoever the NHLPA is sending there to talk, get the surgery figured out. Are you, are you going to get the surgery or not? And this is this has got to do with Eichel's health. That has to do. And I'm not even saying that as a Ranger fan. That that who knows I might want him. I, I don't even know anymore. I really don't. <laughs> we've been we've covered Eichel too much on this on this podcast. <laughs> oh, way too much. All right, the St. Louis Blues will hold on to Vladimir Tarasenko and trade him at the deadline, Mister Larocco. Um, you know, beer. Uh, this is this is another one. Um. You know, it might it might take some time, um, but you have a team in St. Louis who obviously would like to move him. You don't want distractions. Tarasenko wants to move. Um, they still have to sign Robert Thomas. Um, and I heard that they also have a deal to bring back Tyler Bozak, but they can't complete that yet either because of their cap space. So by moving Tarasenko sooner than later, they could take care of the rest of their housekeeping. Um, so... Yeah, in a perfect world, I think they want to do it before the season starts. I'm just not sure if they're going to finally just face it that they're not going to get full value for or full value for him, and they might decide to hold on to him. But um, it could pay off because if they hold on to him and he you know, proves to be healthy and he puts up Tarasenko-type numbers before his injuries, um, you might get the return that uh, you might get the return that you, you, know, you would have been able to get from the beginning from him. So. Uh, interesting to see how St. Louis is going to play this. Um, they might just wipe their hands clean and just be done with it, start fresh, or they might just say, screw it, we're going to wait. But um, lie somewhere in the middle there. So not doing shot, not doing round, beer. Phil? I'm going to say round. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to say round because of the fact that I don't think that there's anything available right now that would really entice Doug Armstrong to move him. And Anthony, you posted it in the group chat before, and the names that you mentioned from the Islanders were just that it was just pathetic. I mean, if if the, if, if that and there's no vitriol between Tarasenko and the Blues, he just wants to go. And, and you know what? That's fine. You know what? It, it, there, there's no sense of vitriol. There's no been no reported vitriol like there is with Eichel and the Sabers. And there's verbal barbs being thrown around, and it's being public, and it's and it's like, oh well, they screwed up my surgery, and the doctors don't know what the hell they're doing. It's, it's not Lindros, you know, twenty years ago as well. Also, so um, I, I, I think they're going to hold on to him. They're going to, you know, try to see what's going to happen with him, and he's going to try to bounce back and, and show that he could at least stay healthy. Because, and he may not be able to put up the numbers he was putting up pre-all this, but if he can put up respectable numbers and stay healthy, someone's going to look at him at the deadline 
And he, they're going to give St. Louis more than much more, I should say, than what's being supposedly offered now. So I, I, I don't, I don't think unless he says, I'm not playing for you, trade me, then I, I don't see any way where they, they don't do this because the returns simply just aren't good enough right now. And Doug Armstrong's already told us this by saying we're pretty much going to keep on to him previously. So until something drastic changes, I'm, I'm buying around here. Uh, I'm actually going to go to beer because I could see him starting the season in St. Louis, but I could see it more of like a, the Taylor Hall trade that I believe happened in November maybe early December, and uh, they're going to want to get rid of him quickly. I don't think they're going to wait till the deadline. So that qualifies still that he's going to play games for St. Louis, but I don't think it's going to be um, what we think is going to be and how long he's going to be there. Speaking of unsigned players, Elias Pettersson will be unsigned when camps open, and I – I'm like Mr. Round. Jeez, you want to be <laughs> with me at the bar tonight. Goodbye and everybody again. Because there is no shot he is going one L, by the way. One L. One L? One L and Elias. Son of a bitch. (laughs) 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 All right. As I fix that, uh Anthony, go. Oh, it's not Phil. Go ahead. I haven't gone back. I'm gonna say beer because I'm not really sure on this, to be honest with you. I, I just they have to do something with him. And the cap situation, just looking at their cap, and I, I just want to pull it up so I, I have the the number in front of me. But they have ten million in cap space, just on, just under eleven. Let's just say it's ten point six six four technically. But they have to sign him. They have to sign Quinn Hughes. Um, Michael Furland is on long term. So uh, I, I guess that there's not really – I don't know. It's, it, it, Cap Friendly says projected LTIR used zero. So I'm, I'm not sure if that number factors into it yet. But if that number factors in, then, I mean, it, it helps them a little bit. But there's not a lot of space here. And you would imagine that both of these players go well over that if 10 million, even 13 would be something where you're saying to yourself, considering what Kel McCarr just got, uh, I mean, I have to say Quinn Hughes has got to get something close to that, right? And then Elias Pedersen, I would say you're at least looking at $8 million for him. So where is this cap space? Who's being moved? Who takes someone like Tyler Myers? Because Tyler Myers would be the guy that I'd be looking at moving and say, hey, you know what? You're a good player, but you're, you're definitely not worth that. And you, you just you just got Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman Larson. You're not moving them. Uh, I, I, they just signed Travis Hamnick again. So Tyler Myers is really the one guy that you got to look at and say to yourself, hey, you know what? He's got to be the target. So I, I really wonder who takes him. Could that be where the Islanders swoop in? Yeah, it's six million. I mean, they 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 would have to. They have to retain some back. salary. Um. So what are you going? What are you? What are you doing? I'm gonna. I'm I'm just. I'm saying beer. I think he said beer before. I think that's what I had on there. I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go round. Um. You know, it seems like every year there's a high profile RFA that misses some time. Um. You know, last year Barzell signed three days, three days into camp or so. Um. You know, 
Mitch Marner did it a couple of years ago. Obviously, Nylander missed games in the regular season. Uh, I think, you know, this is a guy that, you know, wants wants to be paid handsomely. Um, Vancouver can't right now. Like John said, they're in a tough spot with, you know, not a really an easy spot with who they can move out to, to make the room to sign both Hughes and Pedersen to market value deals. Um, so I think this one's going to stretch out a little bit longer. I mean, ultimately, it's going to get done. I don't think he'll miss any games. Uh, but I could definitely see him not being there on the first day of camp. So, uh, like I said previously, round here. All right. And one more, guys. Uh, this one I threw in there. Detroit's Jeff Blaschel. Uh, wow. Did I m- mispronounce that one? Uh, Detroit's no, Jeff Blaschel is in a put-up-or-shut-up season. And, you know, I'll start it again. Yeah, I got to buy. Holy sh- Wow, I am buying a lot today. But, I mean – they want to see progress. I know they're rebuilding. Uh, I think I think if they're – I think it's basically this season and then they're going to want to start competing next year. That's what I think. And uh, Eisenman's got a lot of those contracts, like the Nick Letty contract, which goes this year. And uh, there's another contract that he, that he put on the books. But it's just like uh, Mark Stahl, I believe, comes off the books this year as well, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah. Okay, so yeah, they're going to want to start competing soon. That's what he's building towards. Um, Anthony. Sorry, Mark, I got a shot here. Um, it's okay. Red Wings don't have, um, don't have any high expectations this year. I mean, it's not like they – I mean, they still have a lot of holes. Yeah, yeah, and Nick Letty, you know, he'll up on defense. But um, after Letty, it's really – the Kaiser, Philip Aronic. I mean, you don't really. Morris Sider is going to be a kid if he makes a team. So um, they're not going to, you know, it's not like they're going to expect him to go out and be Mikhail McCarr right away. He's not that type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, forward wise, um, still, a, you know, underwhelming group. Yeah, you have, you know, Larkin and you have Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, Rana looked good for them after they acquired him. Um, but Suter. again, they're not, yeah, they signed P.S. Suter, but they're not a, they're not a deep team at forward. Um, I still expect them to be a towards the bottom of the standings. Yeah, they're they're better in goal. There's no question there, and Adelkovic is going to help them in goal. Um, but Blashill, it's not like Blashill has all these tools that Eiserman gave him this year, and that you know now it's his turn to make something out of it. I think still they're still in the early stages here, so I don't think there's any pressure on him. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm going to stick with the shot. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going with shot as well because this, this this roster, like Anthony said, just isn't good enough to compete. It's really not. I mean, even if you want to account for Philip Zadina taking a big step this year, um, I mean, Robbie Fabry was a guy that nobody's mentioned so far. 25 years old, and he's really started to found himself or find himself in Detroit after kind of having a rough start to his career in St. Louis. Um, you know, P.S. Suter's a nice signing. It, it, it's, it's not enough. Um, the and not only that, but also the the roster is constructed is just not great overall. Four of their top six defenders are UFAs after this year, which is insane to think about. Um, uh, you know, Mort Sider could make possibly an impact with the team this year depending on what they want to do with him or if they want to just make him wait another year and have him develop. I don't know how much more left he can really prove in the SHL. I mean, does he play in Grand Rapids this year and and adjust to North America? I mean, that might help them. They have a ton of cast faces, it is, but 
they're going to have even more cap space next off season. I mean, we could talk about the stability that they've had in coaching over the last 30 years because they've but, but had. That's, but that's the issue, though. I, I mean, do you. I don't know how you could put Blash Hill in that type of situation and put him on a hot seat when he really doesn't have anything to work with. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying there needs to be progress. That's what there, I, I, I I think if you would have worded it that way, then yes. And put up or shut up implies that he's going to lose his job if they don't make the playoffs or come close to it. And I, I just don't think that's the case. I really don't. So don't shot here. All right. Uh, well, I mean, here, here's one thing to, to kind of be fair and play devil's advocate. If I don't see progress from somebody like Philip Zadina or some of the other younger guys, or maybe Philip Ronick takes a step back, yeah. something like that, then maybe they might look at Jeff Blashell and say next season would be a season where you could possibly see him on the hot seat. All right. Uh, I was just trying to fix a problem that I had uh, on Twitter, but I'll get that in a minute. AZ again, just message me again. So that way that'll be on there. That's all things Ranger, which uh, actually I forgot to even put up all of our uh, brand new graphics, but unfortunately they're always going to be hidden when the, when the other thing is on there. Oh, yeah. Love it. If I'd love it if we can ever get that on there, but uh don't worry, they're in the edited videos anyway. All right, yeah. so everybody, what do you think? Uh, are Arpa Sheets going to be the wave of the future, or they're going to go the way of the Dodo? Uh, the New York Rangers, uh, what was my Ranger one? It was <laughs> uh, Sean Couturier's deal will make Mika Zibanejad a little bit cheaper. Uh, Thomas Hurdle, a better option for the Rangers. Ilya Sorokin, ready to take the rounds? The range for the Islanders? All those rounds I was giving up. Put it all down in the comments below, guys. It's because we... Got an entertaining, honest press conference. The ticker and hide that. Connor, just can you give me your sense of kind of where, where the group is at? Once again, my teammates come up short. All right, welcome everybody to the Big Apple Hockey Honest Press Conferences, where we will talk for the athletes or executives. And we got to start with a guy that's the center of attention in the NHL right now. Yes, Barry Cockney <laughs> did it again. And that is played by our Mr. John Fulkowski. Well, thanks, Mr. Reporter Guy, for screwing up my name once again. Not like I'm not used to that or anything. But, um, yeah, so I got tendered an offer sheet. So I'm a lightning rod right now center of controversy and I accepted a $6.1 million offer sheet from the Carolina hurricanes because they decided to play general manager for our Montreal. They rather decided to play general manager for my Carolina hurricanes a couple of years back and signed Sebastian Ajo to an offer sheet. But what they did and failed, well, what they failed to do, I should say, is they failed to make it a big decision and they basically signed Aho for Carolina. So now what goes around comes around and here we are and I'm the lightning rod. I feel like I'm running out in a field with a kite during a thunderstorm. A lot of fun, right? So 
I have to sit here and take all these lovely questions, and I have to look at fans saying, why would you take that offer sheet? Uh, hello, hockey is a business. And in this world, you kind of have to make money to, you know, to live, to support yourself and a family, which you eventually want to have. Yes, you can rain all that money down on me, 6.1 million of those and a nice little $20 signing bonus. Cute little kick there, Carolina social team and Carolina general manager, Don Waddell. That was, that was cute. That was really cute. Petty, but cute. Loved it. Thought it was a, uh, a plus level troll job. Chef's kiss. I'll take questions. Yes, Barry. Um, so is this a win-win? Are you gonna are are you looking forward to staying with the Canadians if they match, or looking forward to going to the Carolina Hurricanes with a lot more finished players on their team as well? Well, a lot more Finnish players wouldn't be bad considering people like you can't say my last name to save your life. So um, that that's a that's a good way of looking at it. Um, the other thing would be I don't care where I play. I, I, I just want to make money and, and play hockey. I mean, isn't that the dream? Isn't that everybody in this world? I mean, everybody that likes hockey, that is, I should say. If you don't like hockey, piss off. But, um, yeah, I, I just want to be where, one, I'm wanted. Two, I'm going to get paid. Three, I have a chance to win. Haven't we heard that line recently? Uh, I think some Swedish dude in Vancouver said that last one. But, uh, yeah, um, hopefully I'm in that kind of situation sooner than later. So if I go to Carolina, I know that I can put up some real good offensive numbers and make sure that uh, that, you know, that moolah starts raining down into my bank account and I could start taking more crazy vacations to different destinations, you know, my off seasons, um, you know, maybe enjoy a couple of hurricanes, pun intended there. See what it did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, down South in the uh, Carolinas and um, hopefully Tom, if you're, uh, if you're watching, won't be stingy with the money in the future because you got a hell of a player on your hands. Just saying. Mr. Loraga. Um, yes, Barry. Uh, there were, there were reports that, uh, your negotiations with Montreal that the dollar amount, um, never really got higher than like 2.5 uh, million on a, on a bridge. Um, so when Carolina presented you with this offer, how surprised were you that they, we're paying you 6.1 million because um, I mean, even you had to probably say to yourself, like, you know, I'm not worth this amount of money right now. I must've been caught off guard, but um, you know, how happy were you when you saw that amount of 6.1 compared to what Montreal was giving you? I, I, I really don't know if I should be taking this as a backhanded compliment or not, because I definitely feel like I could go out there and put up a, a boatload of points. If in the right situation, I don't know what, they had going on in Montreal there. They thought this uh, Dano guy was a point producer when he was really a checker more than anything. So they didn't want to ever really give me the chance there, it seems. Um, but it looked like they might have had no choice this season. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's uh, it's nice. Yeah, sure. Might have been a little bit of a surprise. But uh, if, if anything, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to stick it to whatever general manager I'm playing with. I'm going to force them to pay me. 
and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make a name for myself. So you know what? If they don't want to give me a qualifier after this season, you know what? Then I walk and I can negotiate with whatever whoever the hell I want at that point. If they want to qualify me after, let's just say, I don't know, I put up 70 points. Out of the question, by the way. Um, then I can go and use that as a bargaining chip going forward. And I become one of their core players and I become a guy that they don't want to live without. And that's ultimately the goal as a hockey player in the NHL. You want to be one of those guys where decisions have to be made and you know teams start making moves to fit you in and the other guys are on the outskirts at that point. So, um, you know what? A little bit of a surprise, but I'm not really surprised in a way because I'm a pretty damn good player. You'll see. All right. Well, we hope we're going to see that soon. Uh, yes, Barry. And, uh, you had a long week of being the center of attention in the NHL, so take it easy. Learn how to say my name. Thanks. I won't need to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well done. But <laughs> yes, Barry Kakaniemi or Katiemi, whatever. Whatever. All right. Capo Kako. That's the only Finnish name I really uh, need to know. But we got to go. Deeper behind the scenes on this, fortunately, we have our Mr. Anthony Larocco as Mark Bergevin. So, as you all know, Carolina Hurricanes and their general manager, Don Waddell, um, have all appreciated uh, my forward, Jesperi Kakaniemi. Uh, I'm a little surprised. Uh, we had some talks about a trade for Kakaniemi. They were interested in they were interested in him. Um, I gave him my price, uh, which they balked at. Um, they didn't like. We couldn't come to agreement there. Um, so I thought maybe this could happen, but I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really sure. Lo and behold, they did. Um, now let me just say, Carolina Hurricanes, you guys are, are, are a joke of a franchise. I mean, your your Twitter account, you guys think you're funny, like with all your, with all your jabs, tweeting your tweet out in French and you know, using the same quote I used when I talked about my offsheet to Sebastian Ajo. Um, you guys are like a second-rate organization. Right? You, you won what? Well, one cup? I mean, uh, I'm the mo- I'm part of the most illustrious franchise in NHL history. You should act like it. You guys are joking, really embarrassing yourselves personally. Um, but you want to give 6.1 to Jesperi Kakaniemi, which no shot at him, but he's not worth that right now. So you guys want to – you know, want to do that, go ahead. You know, I haven't made my decision yet, but I could just easily just let them walk. And then you guys are on the hook for that, the Hurricanes, that is. Uh, and then you have to make a corresponding move to, you know, get under the cap, being that you only have about four and a half million change in cap space. Um, and then if he has like only like another 20 to 30 point season, you got to qualify him at 6.1 million. So um, kudos to you, Don Waddell. I thought you may have been, um, you know, being revengeful and, and thinking – you were going to get revenge on me for my Aho off sheet, but I think you kind of screwed your team. So, but that's that. Um, I know I really don't want to talk about that, you know, joke of a franchise. And, um, but you know, I, I have a decision to make. I have until I think Saturday or Sunday to decide if we're going to match or not. Um, if I decide not to match, uh, I have to go out and replace Jesperi Kakaniami, which the wheels are in motion that already uh, targeting a particular player I have in mind. And, and if that's the route that I go. Um, or if I choose to match and keep Jesperi, I'm happy. I like him. He's a nice young man. And, um, you know, hopefully, though, at that amount, he'll, you know, he'll break out, at which point I won't have any problems with paying him that much. So 
we'll have to see me and my team what we decide. But man, that Hurricanes organization, you guys are just, you guys are a joke. <laughs> but I'll take some questions. Mark, who would win in a battle uh, like a like a WWE War Game style battle? You and the Montreal Canadiens social media team, or Rod Brindamore and the Carolina Hurricanes social media team? Because I, I think everybody really wants to see this more than anything right now. I, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not too familiar who we have on our social media team. Um, I'm sure they're well qualified, and if we the problem is I'm not like that we're not classless we're not petty we're the montreal canadians we hold ourselves to a high high threshold nothing but the best we're like the new york yankees so i'm not i don't even want to see us do something like that in turn to get back at them um but if we really had to it would be us we're we're we're, we're better we're, we're better than any franchise in any in every area of hockey operations so you know definitely us but again, that's not my style. I'm not looking to get into a Twitter war with that joke of a team and their owner Tom Dundon, who's who's an idiot. But you know, I'll take more questions. Absolutely, we we don't need to talk about um, uh, Yesberry Kakaniemi anymore. Uh, so uh, let me ask you, since uh, you guys are such a class organization, about Logan Mayu, and <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, so are you going to actually uh, – how, cl- how close are you to matching this uh, offer sheet right now? You know, we're on, we're on the fence about it. Uh, you know, I, I, have, I have a contingency plan. I've already been talking to the Arizona Coyotes about taking the first and third round pick I've received from, from Hartford um, and, and uh, using it to get Christian Dvorak out of Arizona. Um, he's a guy that we identified. Um, we like him a lot as a player, so um, I'm confident if we do if we do let Yesperi go to Hartford, because um, that's where they should have stayed. Um, you know, we'll uh, we'll be okay because we'll bring in Christian Dvorak. But um, like I said, Yesperi Kakanami, he's a he's a nice young man. Uh, obviously, we highly love him. We drafted him where we did. Um, we want to keep him. We just valued the player at a different dollar amount when we were having our negotiations with him. Um, so kind of done thing through a. If we keep him, he's essentially throwing our salary structure out of whack here. But um, you know, it's something we're still internally deciding, and uh, hopefully, we'll we'll make that decision for you guys to talk about in the next uh, in the next day or two. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mark. You're a terrible person. So, yes, you suck. <laughs> and now we got to go from one Mark to another Mark, and my guy is Doug uh, Don Waddell. So first, let me just get that up there and let me say, boom, that's what I had to do to you. You thought I forgot all about Sebastian Ajo? Uh-uh, motherfucker. You guys think you can just come in and try to take my player? Well, I'm going to take your, um, did he play on the third line this year? I forgot. Maybe the second line. Who cares? You know what? I got him. Uh, that's what's done. 6.1 million. Either you're going to pay or we're going to make sure that it's it's very uncomfortable for you. This is why you don't offer sheet. This is why you don't do that, Mark. You you hack. You come on. You want to sit there? You want to try to poach Sebastian Aho for me? All you did was negotiate for me. That's all I already did. I had to just wait six days and go, I thought I was going to do this the entire summer. Instead, six days. But you thought I forget? You know what they say. 
a cane or a thrasher because I I was the GM for them too. Never forgets. That's right. We don't forget, and we're coming for you. Sure, you're in a different division, and um, you have your own issues right now, but we're coming for you. I mean, we got Freddie Anderson in net right now. You know, all these moves I'm making, they're they're all the right moves. So we'll just see about that. All right. I'm going to take some questions because I'm feeling mighty frisky on this. Uh, Don, with everything that's going on between these two organizations, do you, do you really think this is a good idea to be throwing out a retaliatory uh, type of offer sheet right now with the situation that your team is in considering that, you know, you don't really have cap space. So what for what's to stop them from going and offering money for somebody else or what, what's your, your outlook going to look like next season? Next season. I'm worried about this season. That's why I overshoot that kid for just one season. That's it. You know, you know, I, I know there's some grumbling. Some people might be like, Hey, you know, I wish I can get paid more money. Like uh Nito need a rider who's been a good player for us or um, uh, other young players we got coming up in the system, but you know, something, yeah, I, I threw this out there. There was an opportunity to go, let me put the screws to these guys. And that's what I decided to do, right? Or should I have said I? Um, Don, uh, you know, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because, I mean, you're, you're kind of a pretty bad general manager proved to it in Atlanta. But, um, I mean, let me get something straight. You, you, your organization, your owner, Tom Dundon, it's too cheap to pay – your Vesna finalist, Nedeljkovic, $3 million. But you can go out and give 6.1 to Jesperi Kakinemi when he's probably only worth about 2.5 or $3 million right now. I mean, what kind of S-word, S-backward decision-making is that? You kind of kind of like, like a Fred Flintstone-type character. You just do really dumb things, and there's no logic to that. I, I don't, I don't understand letting the Delkovich go over three million dollars and bring in a guy, Freddie Anderson, who's, who is just really inconsistent and overrated and and anti Ronton. You let Alex and go, who was a young guy. It was, I, I don't understand it. Help, help me understand it, Don, because it doesn't make sense to me and really anybody else. Look, I can see what you guys on your upstart YouTube channel are thinking that. Uh, an NHL GM doesn't really think that much. But what I can tell you is Alex Adelkovich, you know, he shouldn't have asked for that extra half a million dollar a season. Come on. I mean, when I can go out and I can sign a kid who has uh, only been in the league for three years, if at that, and pay him an exorbitant amount of money. Um, all right, I'll be honest with you. I really just wanted to do this to screw around with the Canadians. Like they, there's, I mean, some. I asked the analytics people, and they said, "Oh, we could kind of do something with this." So, kind of, kind of, I gotta, I gotta play the tough guy. I can't stop not playing the tough guy. It's sort of like when you're bluffing at poker. You can't stop bluffing midway through the hand and go, "All right, I fold." No, you got to keep going. So. uh I, I don't know. I, we're but we're gonna get we're gonna get a, a, a fine young player because uh, I don't think uh, Bergevin's gonna be able to match. He's too busy. Uh, he's too busy disobeying the wishes of his draft picks um, and flexing and, at the gym. Yeah, and flexing at the gym. Like really? Uh, I mean, 
He did a hell of a job in his one year as an Islander. But uh, the um, I, I gotta say, I gotta say, man, this is just an opportunity for me to do a good troll job, and that's all I'm really focused on. Now, uh, as far as my my goaltending situation, yeah, you know, Alex is a good kid, or as some idiot keeps calling him Scott for some reason. But it's just it's I wonder who that could be. yeah, no, I don't know. He's he's he, he's he's very bad with names anyway. But uh, you know something. I took the chance. They're going to have a good second line. And, uh, and, and that's what matters. So that we'll go with that. Well, thank you for your time, Don. Elliot Kovalchuk says you suck. Well, uh, can't argue with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there goes Don Waddell. And again, uh, again, we're going just going through some of these. I actually have no idea. <laughs> the candy canes <laughs> i like that well rod the bot i, I still like rod uh rod brendan more the candy canes is larry brooks saying that oh okay um see sometimes i gotta you know that lets me know i gotta read larry more but on the other hand i just i can't deal with some of the stuff that larry says sometimes so anyway guys what do you think uh yes barry cabinet would you have taken the money if they offered it to you holy yeah. shit could you butcher that name anymore yeah i, I just said cabinet well, didn't happening <laughs> well that was a good one yes barry cockney emmy oh god mark <laughs> oh god oh this is this is the worst name we need a bloopers outtake I know. Well, I got. I, I still keep saying I got that bloopers reel. I need to to, to publish. But anyway, uh, would you take the money the Emmy got, or uh, would you have been uh, in disbelief, or maybe even in uh, dishonest, or I don't know, whatever you want to say for for Mark Bergevin in that one? Uh, no, would you have been because he was kind of blindsided by that, obviously, but. Uh, and what about the troll job by the, the Canes? Throw it all down in the comments. Oh, well, I'm going to enjoy editing that one in a minute. Um, all right, guys, to the editorials. Phil, you ready to go first? Sure, why not? All right. You're going nowhere. Then there's no I'm looking at you, Jim. I'm going to hear the name, and I'm going to get PTSD. But the cream rise to the top for you. Oh yeah, time for another editorial. This week, um, and we talked about this on the last episode, but the unfortunate and um, sudden tragedy of losing Jimmy Hayes, and um, even to a, in a different way, the the death of Roger Bear as well, brought everybody in the hockey community together. Brought Ranger the the passing of Roger Bear brought all Rangers fans together. Um, the passing of Jimmy Hayes brought Boston hockey and and hockey in Dorchester together because Jimmy Hayes is just so well respected and just so highly regarded in that community and the way that PK Subban set everything up for that and and was so involved in it just a class act on on. P.K. Subban's part, it just, and to see the outpouring of emotion and 
hockey and all these fans and these kids come together to pay tribute to a guy like Jimmy Hayes just shows you that sometimes the, the guys that really don't have the spotlight on them are really involved in the community more than you'll ever know. And Jimmy Hayes is, he was living proof of that. He was, he was very, very, lo- he was loved. He was revered. He was so well respected by everybody. And and the story that Kevin told uh, about Mr. McHugh um, at his uh, at his service just on unreal, just sad story. And I, I wish I, I, I it's a great story actually, but I wish I would have heard it under much different and better circumstances. It goes to show you that community is everything in hockey. And part of the reason why this show happened was because Anthony and I have two mutual friends that kind of connected us. Peter Jenner and another one of our viewers, Alex Goldberg, who connected the two of us together. And it's so funny because I, I know Mark through a mutual friend named Lisa Fitzgerald. And I met Mark at Croker's. And what happened? Noticed Rangers stuff on. We started talking Rangers hockey. And it's just funny how so many people know each other through so many different walks of life and come together through something like hockey. And hockey has given me so many friendships. You two are two great examples of that. Uh, I can't count the number of friends that I've come across in hockey. My best friend, my very best friend, somebody I met through hockey 20 years ago. And Anthony, you know Albie. Actually, Mark, you know Albie too. So, I mean, I, I met him 20 years ago through through hockey. And all, all of my very, very good friends know my other friends that play hockey. And, and, and especially on Long Island where – the hockey community is a very tight knit community, and it's that way in most places, in ninety nine point nine percent of places. But in Long Island, it's a small world in general here, and the hockey community is just super tight knit on top of that. So, um, I, hockey the community is one of the one things that I, I love most about it: getting together and playing and talking about it and, and chirping each other. Like we do on this show. I mean, we rib each other so much on this show. It's not even funny. I mean, Anthony wanting to wanted to get Ryan Carter and, and have him kind of twist the knife in us a little bit. I'm talking about that run in 2012, you know, and Anthony pulling the Dennis Potvin on me three years ago and off the post. And it just the little moves that we do and the jokes that we make, part of what makes Hockey, great. And this event with Jimmy Hayes's funeral and his service and everything like that, and the way that the hockey personalities in that area came together and PK Subban and others just shows you how important community is in hockey. And I owe a lot to hockey and I owe a lot to the hockey community, friends that I made from it. The fact that when I was going through the worst time of my life, hockey, the hockey community, all my friends from hockey were there for me. So, you know what? Um, this is this is probably the one thing I love about hockey the most, and it's something that can't be overlooked and overstated. 
Anthony, you first. Yeah, no, it was um, it was cool to see uh, a lot of players from around the league at at Jimmy Hayes's uh, you know funeral. Um, you know, whether you're a current teammate, former teammate, uh, you know, PK Subban was there, played with them in Jersey. Um, you know, they all they all support each other. And listen, I know you get that in all sports, but I feel like with hockey, it's even it's even tighter. And that's what makes the sport so much, you know, so special. Um, you know, everyone has each other's backs. And, you know, the day when he passed, you know, you have players from around the league just giving their condolences to to Jimmy's family and Kevin. Um, and just that's the type of people hockey players are. Um, and as far as Philk was saying, you know, yeah, you, you meet, you meet a lot of, you meet a lot of people, uh, through hockey. Uh, you know, obviously John referenced how I met him. Um, you know, it's, it's a sport that you can play, you go down and play hockey one day and you end up meeting somebody, you, you know, you're a friend with for 10 plus years. So, um, it's awesome. I, you know, I owe a lot that I have to the game of hockey. Um, you know, it's it's in my blood. I think it's in all of ours. Um, and I, and again, it just what makes this sport so special. But um, the Jimmy Hayes funeral was touching. I saw the, the speech that Kevin, uh, that John was referencing, that Kevin eulogized him with. Um, that was only a short, you know, minute and thirty video. So I can't imagine how many countless other good stories came out from that. But um, yeah, it's 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 a special sport. I'm I'm really grateful to be a part of it in some aspect. Um, I went on YouTube and I got the clip for it, but first I'm going to make this statement. Um, there's so much that this game has given me for the last, uh, 25, 26 years. And I discovered it kind of late. Um, I mean, uh, ever since my brother Dan used to watch, uh, Poise for Glory, which was the story of the 1989-90 New York Rangers that was done more like an NFL film style. Uh, and it was a, a great video. I think I watched it like 40 times in the summer. Uh, there's so much that my brother Dan was just like, really? You watching it again? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I just did. And um, I love everything that this game has given me. And what I didn't understand before I even started playing, before I played high school, before I played juniors, before I played the men's league, which I will be playing a game tonight. Um, it's, it's given me countless friendships I can ever say. And that's why when this clip was played on uh, 24 seven, uh, the winter classic uh, for the Rangers and the, for the Rangers and the flyers, it really does ring true. And I'm just going to let it uh, play. Volume. Oh, volume? Not getting any volume? No, not really. Ah, uh, sorry. I think it might be on your end. Anthony, can you hear it? That's pretty low. Okay. Jeez. All right, let me get that, see if that's fixed. Yeah, this is cranked. So weird. All right, I guess we're just going to cut it out.
But anyway, the point is, never get caught telling a hockey player it's just a game. Never get caught telling them all the things that matter so much more. I mean, it's it, it was no sound. Uh, you know what? I'm going to put it into the final, uh, the final cut version of this so you guys can hear the full quote. It's just this this game is a rich, deep tapestry that and we've only tapped onto the people we're gonna meet that are watching us right now. There's it's like you you we start talking hockey with me, you got you end up having cauliflower ears. So <laughs> it's just another so cool. another wrestling term that might piss off Joe Graves there for a second. Because remarks. Uh, How appropriate. Yes. So yeah, I can't wait to meet you guys as well. Um, I I can only imagine the chirps and and the laughs and the ribs that will be played and and the, and the drinks that'll flow and and the good <laughs> that'll be had. It'll, it'll be fun. I, it, I do believe we're gonna have a lot of fun doing those. It's it's gonna be great. Uh, we want to start scheduling, but uh, if if opening night does happen, it's gonna be tough to do it with the baseball playoffs going on because. We're going to get people walking into the bar that I work at that are going, oh, and we, I'm here for the baseball playoffs. So it's just well, maybe not opening night, but we maybe can... not opening night, but soon yeah. enough. But so that all happened. So do you have any stories about your connection to the hockey community and um, all that all that the game's given you and your appreciation on that? Throw it all down in the comments below. Um. I shall go next, and uh, it's kind of a topic that is, uh, well, I'll get on that in one second. This prediction that's right up here. Uh, I just yell at Larry Brooks like every other New York Ranger. <laughs> so this week, um, it still makes no sense to me why the New York Mets had to start doing this. It makes perfect sense, maybe why to them, but that they had to then tell it to all their fans. No, just have it as an inside comment. You don't need to tell everybody everything. But what is the purpose of going against the fans? Anyone that's ever gone against the fans has not won. No one. It, the, nobody has ever beat the fans. The, the player could be on the team, let's say a great player. It's on the team 15, 16 years. A fan's been rooting for them their entire lives. And all you're going to do is just drive the fan away, which is something you don't want to ever happen. So where Javier Baez really didn't understand that you get booed. It happens in New York. Well, you didn't get booed in Chicago. You don't get booed in Boston. But is everybody always, always cheer or is there orange slices after the game? Is that, is that what you're getting? There's no score. You don't have to worry about that. We're investing um, uh, a night, a week's pay, sometimes maybe even, who knows, could be like two weeks with the amount of uh, the tickets or the amount the beers are or the amount that our merchandise I might want to buy. That's why you don't fight the fans, you moron. Now, came out yesterday, hustled, the fans cheered him. That's what it is. But that's how... Look, I'm not arguing about whether or not you should boo or not boo, but certainly don't attack the fans. It's not the fans' fault that you were over five last week with five strikeouts. So that's just ridiculous. 
And if you want to do it, it'd be like, it's us against the world. Good. Keep that to yourself. Because then what happens is all the fans want to turn against you. And you know that big contract you're looking for? You're going to have to find that somewhere else. You don't take markets out by just saying, yeah, I don't want to play there. Because that's what you're saying. And then eventually with that, don't fight the fans. We have invested countless amounts of dollars in all these in, in all these games over the years. And the matter and and even better, we got memories. So plenty of people have come into New York. Um Mike Piazza is another one that comes to mind. I'm actually trying to think of some hockey guys. Not many guys were ever booed coming in, but they've earned the respect of everybody around here, and now their name is gold. Find anybody that truly hates Mark Bessier. The guy's a legend. Guy can't go anywhere and buy and, and buy a drink because everybody would buy it for him. So if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. That's what Frank Sinatra said, and it's very true. So uh and guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you in on this. Is this was was this something that you that you looked at and went, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I don't know what the, the motivating factor is behind that, but you don't ever tell fans that they don't have a right to boo or not to boo them. It, it just, it's stupid. Like you said, we pay their salaries. You know, if it's not for us, there's nothing. You know, they, they can play in front of empty arenas. They can play for cable networks with nobody watching. And what happens? Your business folds. So it's, it's our hard-earned money. It's our our eyes on the TV sets. It's us turning the channels to the, the, the networks that they're on to watch them play that pays their money. So if they want to go tell us to not boo them, they can shove it up their asses for all I care. Uh, and, and Lindor and Baez, you've been in New York for a minute. So I don't, I don't know what you had, where you get the stones to turn around and tell people to not boo. But that was just, it was stupid. Absolutely stupid. And Derek Jeter got booed and took it like a man. He took it like a man and he held himself accountable like a leader does. And that's why Derek Jeter is regarded as one of the greatest leaders in the history of professional sports. Because of the fact they handle himself under pressure with grace and produced. And when he wasn't playing well, he took it personally on himself and held himself accountable for his poor play, not shaming the fans for having an opinion. Just dumb. I don't know what really else there is to say about that, but it's stupid. And just just before Anthony gets on in, and I, I want you to get right back in, uh, CJ said oh, the Bruins beat our fans once, and Chris said Mike Milbury with the yeah. shoe is dangerous. <laughs> um, but yeah. Joe Grave, one hundred percent right. Um, Stanton, Stanton's gotten Stanton got booed his first week, and he has gotten just ro- the fans rode him like a horse. And you know something? He took it like a man. That's what he did. City of Vancouver boos Mark Messier, but that's with good reason. <laughs> Mark Messier is great, but uh, that's, you know, 
it's a different matter. The feeling uh, today, feelings matter. No, they need what we need to tell people is to shut the hell up. Anthony, get back in here before I say something stupid. Uh, yeah, it's just dumb. I mean, listen, when you when you sign up to be a professional athlete, you live a glorious life. You get paid millions of dollars, and you get to play a sport for a living. But you got you have to take the negatives with it. You have to have tough skin. Fans are allowed to boo you. If you're not performing, you get booed. This is what it is. It's how it is sometimes. You have no right to tell them what they can or cannot do. Zero right at all. You take it. You put in your big boy pants. You don't like booing. You, you play better. And then you get loved. Just how it goes. Um, you look on a lot of a lot of teams across the league in the NHL, like on power plays. If, it, if it's like really struggling, and especially if you're losing on top of that, a lot of fans boo every time the puck gets cleared out. You get It's, it's what it's, – it's what, can, can I can I just stop you and and say three words right there? New York Rangers. Yeah, shoot the puck, Barry. Yeah, shoot yeah the it's, puck. it's 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 what happens. So it's it's stupid. They should just you know shut your mouth and realize um, it's just one of the very few negatives, if you want to call it, of being pressed out. That you have to deal with the criticism too. It can't all be like roses and sunshine. So um, fans are allowed to do what they want. Yeah, sure, you have some fans who are a little over the top and a little too ridiculous. But for the most part, you know, fans are going to cheer you when you're doing well and they're going to boo you when you're playing poorly. It's just how it is. Got to deal with it. And and you know what? It's just, look, and, and first up, by the way, Sandy Alderson putting out the the statement, uh, every fan has a right to boo, which, I mean, first off, if we if you take away booing from the fans, then there's no more critiquing anything. No more critiquing movies, video games, whatever you want to say. That, um, it's yeah, it's a critique. I don't, critique. Do, do I want to boo anybody? No, I don't. Actually, I don't. For the most part, I mean, as far as the Rangers go, I think there's two players I've ever booed, or one time when I booed the the team in general, and that was the year after Messier left, '97, uh, uh, late in late in the season. I was one of the people that booed because it was a game against buffalo they were lifeless it was just awful and uh, and i'll admit that i do that i don't really boo players i don't want to boo players i want to cheer everyone but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that the guy sitting in front of me can't boo anybody oh no don't do that you gotta worry about the players feelings go fuck yourself if the, if a if a boo from a fan is so bad Get out of here! You're not mentally tough. Yeah, you, you're you're not you're not meant to play this sport if you can't handle criticism from fans. And if if you're gonna do that, it, it's the equivalent of fa- of fans telling other fans that they can't criticize the moves the team makes. If you can't have an opinion on something, what the hell is the point? What what is the point? I I just you know what? I don't want to go anywhere else with it because I see comments. And I, I don't want to get into that. We're just going to stick to what this is. I'm going to stick to what this is in itself. But it's a form of gatekeeping. And gatekeeping is stupid. It's dumb. It, 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 you know what? You go out there. You pay for that network with your money that you earn at your job to watch those games. Whether you're watching it through out-of-market packages if you don't live in New York or if you're paying for MSG and you go and pay money to go to the games, to buy their merchandise, to get their autographs, to meet these players and meet and greets and stuff, you're spending, when you, when you look at it and you 
actually do the numbers from a financial standpoint, over the lifetime, the average sports fan spends a very good portion of what they earn in their life towards these organizations. You don't realize it, but it adds up over the years. So don't tell me that I don't have a right to boo you. And don't, yeah, exactly. We have to let the team know how we feel. The fire say their chance were there for a reason in the dark ages, in like 2002, three, and four. You know what? They were there for a reason because Sather wasn't doing a good job. He wasn't. You know, he, as a coach, he he was bad in New York. The, sure, the team was bad, but he was bad as a coach. So don't tell us what we can and can't feel or can and can't say. You have no right. Otherwise, the fans should turn around and say, you know what? Screw you. We're walking away. Have fun finding someone else to pay your damn overbloated salaries to play a kid's game. I mean, take for instance, uh, let me throw one player out there uh, for you that he he was getting paid, he was under underachieving, and he was kind of a burden to the Rangers. That was Wade Redden. And but the thing about Wade Redden is he still tried. He was he was at practice longer. He was he actually took it badly. Anthony's back with us again. He had, he took it badly when um Tom Rennie got fired because he said, I feel like I was one of the guy one of the reasons why he got fired. And the answer on that is yeah, yeah. Were. But you know something? The effort, he was still trying to put forth the effort. I just think his his skills were eroding. That was the only problem. But yeah, I mean, and I and, and in a way I feel bad for Wade Redden, even though sending him to the minors was the best move for the team. But it's just there is still um yeah, Slats loved Wade Redden. But there are still guys that there there were guys that that just dog it. We've seen it, and of course that's number one reason why New Yorkers boo. But yeah. it just it happens. And look, if that if that's the case, turn it around or don't, and then just get out. There's lots of guys that I mean, you don't have to follow a guy to his house like Ed Whitson. Um, or you don't have to end up getting so frustrated that you end up giving the finger to uh, the crowd, Jack McDowell. I mean, Theo Fleury had a bad first season and then a couple pretty good years with the Rangers amidst personal problems. And we found out what that was. And after that, it was I, – I don't remember people really booing him. I, I, I was at the game when he came back with Chicago. I can't remember if they did. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody booed Theo Fleury. It was the Islander fans that really chanted crackhead Theo at him, which was really disappointing. That was a rather classless chant. But um, I mean, uh, what uh, Dan put it up here before. Dennis Poppin had some chants from the Ranger fans. Yeah, those so, were pretty classless as well. Yeah, so I mean, but this, sometimes it's what New Yorkers, we, we do. We, we want to get under your skin. I mean, I still remember um, uh, being in the stands uh, for uh, Mets versus the Phillies. And sorry, uh, Mets versus the Giants. And it was right after uh, uh, Barry Bonds fought Ricky Patalco. And we're just screaming, Patalco kicked your ass. Patalco kicked your ass. But um, anyway, guys, do you think the fans have a right to boo? Or do you think that um, you think maybe Bias is right on this one? Um, my personal opinion no, he's not. You don't you don't go up against the fans. So 
let's uh, so we're gonna move on from there. You got any uh fan stories? Throw it down, down in the comments. So Anthony, you ready? Um, I'm actually gonna I'm not gonna do one this week, just so um see I gotta a little bit my Ella's gonna get up with us in kindergarten, just give us some more time to go right to news, you know, rumors and take questions. So all right. Well, by the way, uh three weeks from training camp, guys. So yeah. Gotta love yeah. that. And basically I'll as far as rumors, I mean, right, not not really rumor, but Riley Sheehan signed with uh signed with Seattle today while we were doing this. Um, and then obviously the re-signings the Islanders had, and um, Cockingham offer sheet that happened last week, and not still not much else. Uh, I guess the biggest rumor is that the Canadians might trade for Christian Dvorak if they don't match. Um, yeah, but still, still not. Still not much going on the rumor mill. There's the Tomas Hurdle report that site that he's apparently unhappy with how the Sharks are handling the Evander Kane situation, and he might want out. Um, but, you know, hopefully, like I said, we're three weeks from camp. Uh, as things get closer, I think we'll have more news and more rumors. That's a good thing. But that, but that's what's going on right now, league-wide. Yeah, there's the, the, the only other thing is uh, Jake Vertanen. Um, signed with, I believe it was SKA St. Petersburg, or it was actually, it was sorry, he was offered a contract for 60 million rubles. Jake Vertan and done in the NHL, guys? More than likely, at least for a while. Yeah, for now. Yeah, it's, um, that's, that's just another situation that needs to be cleared up. Uh, and that's what should be focused on. You don't just, you can't sign him. Uh, I think that's still in court, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not sure. Proceedings on it. I, I, I don't want to uh, really go into that because I don't know everything. So I don't want to misreport anything or, or inaccurately report anything. It, exactly. That's why I actually am trying to avoid that as well. Yeah. But, you know, being that we're three weeks out, we're going to hear some more rumors. You know, there, there are teams that still need to fill holes. I mean, like we talked about with Staple, the Islanders still need a second pairing of defense. Um, you know, like the Canadians might need another center. Uh, there's a bunch of teams that are going to start to tinker with their lineup as camp, you know, camp comes closer for sure. Um, you know, I look, if you look at the, like, if you look at the Penguins, like I, I think the Penguins still need to do something. I mean, their offseason to me was, was pretty miserable. You got Brock McGinn and, and Danton Heinen in, but you lost you lost Jared McCann. Um, Brandon Tanev. And Brandon Tanev. You know, for me, I, I, I still think they need to do – they need to tinker with their roster. Um, you know, the the Capitals still have that – they're still in the area where they might move Kuznetsov. You know, there were a lot of rumors about that. I mean, it seemed like they were itching to get rid of him, but – We'll see what happens there if they if they end up keeping him. Well, I don't know um, if anybody wants Jackson. a headache. Yeah, I know that's a good point. I mean, there's no there's no doubt that he's that he's insanely skilled. Um, but you know, it might come to a point where they just decide to cut ties with him. I, I don't know. Um, and then there was the thing about Jack Eichel in Montreal, but that was that that was because of the bio steel can. I know Engels got ahead of himself on that one. He's like, oh, Eichel's has his hockey sticks and he's going to Montreal, but it was for the bio steel camp. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I don't, how's it going, Rich? Um, I don't really see 
Eichel with Montreal, just because, like, we talked about in our text briefly, like, they have if no Kakaniemi's gone. Yeah, if Kakaniemi's gone, um, how do you – what really – because you're not giving up – you know, I call them goal call field. You're not giving up goal call field, and you're not giving up, you know, uh, Suzuki. You're not – you're probably not giving up, um, you know, Romano. Well, maybe you move Romano off in a deal for Eichel, but, yeah. I, I just uh, yeah, I think you do. People, yeah, people are still talking about it. I just don't – I don't see – I don't, I don't see, see it either. I don't, I don't no. see that happening. I, I, you know what? I, I just, you know what? I, I've talked about this before. You have to have pieces to make a deal work. And every team's going to have their untouchables. Montreal's untouchables are obviously Suzuki and Caulfield. And for good reason. You, you, you're not going to trade young, productive ELC talents like that. Like those, those players, even though they don't have the quantifiable raw stats – to, to value you know them over someone like Jack Eichel, they help an organization going forward because of cap issues and you need productivity and so on. But that but the, Chris T, you know that's that's really what it is. If they're not giving up that, who Montreal doesn't have the expendable assets otherwise. The Rangers have expendable assets otherwise. If Minnesota's not giving up Marco Rossi, who do they have otherwise? Matt Baldy. I mean, Kevin Fiala, I, I don't know if I'd want to give him up right now if I'm Minnesota. I, I really don't. I, I think that there's growth to be had from him. Uh, L.A., they're probably out of it now at this point. One, you'd have to move Dustin Brown and what else? I, I just think the Rangers are the one team that you have to keep circling back to that they can make it work cap-wise. They have the expendable assets to get it done, a.k.a. the not Kako, not Lafreniere-type assets. They have those assets to get a deal done, and they have the want to do it. So, but this I is again the be- reason why I say these words. Kevin Adams blew it because yeah. this should have been done in July. You had leverage. You had a possibility of moving him. Instead, what you're doing now is you're holding on. You're going, um, you know what? I don't know whether or not I should move him just yet. I got to get the right package. You could have gotten a better package um, July 25th from five other teams. But instead, now you're getting – now all these teams said, look, we got to move on. We can't wait for you. And Yeah, uh, a lot of teams have. <laughs> yeah, and by, the way, and by the way, this is where – um, New York Ranger right down here is 100% correct. You take away everyone's untouchables, including the Rangers' untouchables, there's still a better package you can get for that. That's what I was saying. That, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You you, you circle around to uh, all those non – like, Anaheim, do you do, – when you take away Zegras and Drysdale, because obviously they're not going anywhere. If that was the case, as I've said it, Stat Boy Steven has said it, the deal would have been done already if one team wanted to give up those types of assets. You take away those levels of assets from all the other teams out there. Who's got the best offer? It's and, the Rangers. And it's going to get worse for them because Chris T is mentioning this right here. They still have to get to the cap floor. And you're going to need his $10 million. So you can't suspend him. You, so you, or you, you just tell him, stay home? We're going to pay a guy $10 million to stay home? But again, you got to remember a lot of a lot of that cap space is going to be Rasmus Dahlin's going to get a lot of money. Middlestad's going to get money. They're not going to be that far under after those guys resign. 
Okay. Then yeah, it's still, but at, at that point, okay. So let, let, let's take a look at Buffalo's situation with with their cap. Um, Seven point three million under was the number that I last reported. I'm pulling it up right now on cap friendly. Um, yeah, they they're still still under the cap floor by a good amount. Um, but who are they going to sign that's going to bring them to that? Even even with Okay, so K- Casey Middlestat. What is Casey Middlestat getting? Casey Middlestat is getting somewhere close to what Philip Heedle got. So let's mm-hmm. just say, for examples, two million, two million, or even do do you give him what Eli Tolvanen got, where he got like one point four five million, or somewhere just under two million. Somewhere. That's a, that's a great deal. We were talking about that the other day. I thought it was four point five for one year. Not, no, not over three. So that's no, it's, it's four point five over three. So it's one point four five million per year. And now, if if you're Buffalo, you're probably going to have to retain salary on Eichel to to also make this work. Now, instead of getting Philip Heedle back in the deal, you're looking at having to take Ryan Strom also because you need salary going back. So there, there's got to be something. This just made everything more complicated for Buffalo. Like you said, he should have dealt them on draft night. You would have what you wanted wanted to make in the first round. Now you're going to have to take a prospect that another team drafted that your your scouting staff may not be sure of. Adams horribly misplayed this, as you said. He and then seven two offsuit going up against a friggin' full house nut hand. And he's going to lose. I mean, the, the, like I said, it was like a draw four Uno card. Anthony, something's on your mind. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to get. I don't think he's going to get traded by, by training camp. I mean, if he can't play to, if he can't play to December, I, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. They don't have to worry about not reporting. They could just say he's having surgery. He's out. He doesn't have to go there, and he'll just sit on the shelf in December. And then, yeah, maybe when he comes back, he'll play a couple of games, so teams can just see if he can play. Traded for that. What? I don't know, but that You're sounds like a that, that DJ sounded, remix that Anthony got. <laughs> no, that that sounded like it was like he was getting Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I just realized that whole time I was talking, I was I put myself on mute before I forgot to unmute myself, and then my head well, no, you were talking, we could hear no, you. You were talking, we could oh, hear really? you. Yeah. yeah, and then and then you took off right before you took off your earbuds, it just went. I guess they died. I Guys, guess this is why died. I try to tell them to get one of these rigs. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I also apologize to everybody that could hear me a lot better today. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't see it happen. I don't see it being close. I, really I, don't. I I don't see it being close either. I I I just think that I I think that Brisson will help. Put the wheels in motion a bit, but to a point. And the surgery is really the the problem. Yeah, Anthony's wire definitely backfired on him or something. Oh no! Oh no! Even worse. I will be back. Big, big I am Anthony the Rock. Big Lou. Big yeah. Lou put horsehead in my bed. I will be back after I terminate horsehead. Uh, <laughs> on. Ah! <laughs> All right. Uh, I know we're killing that, but still, it's still, it's too funny. Um, but uh, but okay, okay. So so he's not going to get what he what he needs. So and now the argument right now the argument is 
with the PA getting involved, if I'm every GM, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see if he's getting the surgery. And then I want to I want to wait to see if he gets back on the ice. Yeah. So there's no way he's getting dealt by in the next three weeks. No yeah, way. I'd be really surprised. No. Now imagine you're the New York Rangers. If he would have gotten the surgery a month ago, then yeah. <sighs> it's like kicking a dead horse head. I yes. <laughs> We're going to need other jokes soon. But or at least the at least yeah, you are. Can call back to that. But again, it's there's no way you're going to be able to get that. And even if you're the New York Rangers, why would you even want to make that deal right now? Because if you have the deal with Ryan Strom and then you're going to have a hole at second line center and your aspiration is to be a good team this year. No, no, I, they, they could do fine with the, with the team they got right now. So or yeah. now there's another option. Omos Hurdle. Exactly. And, you know and, and that puts Buffalo in an even bigger bind because now all these teams are going to shift their focus to Tomas Hurdle, who's going to be cheaper. The return's going to be cheaper. He's going to be more affordable. He's still got a year left on his deal. And no team's going to have to give up a Kako, a Lafreniere, a Zegras, a Drysdale, a Byfield, a Turcotte. And, and to answer this yeah. question, because it's been asked, I think, three other times here before i think you're looking at someone like from the rangers let's just say first rounder philippedal and then i would say another prospect maybe like a zach jones and then maybe a small ad after that maybe another lower pick i i think it's i think it's far less for that because he's got one year that's it you're it's this is maybe the reason why the Jack Eichel trade is so big is because there's an additional four years. Maybe it's is three years. So maybe it's a first rounder and, and a player like Zach Jones, and then maybe another small prospect. Right. And uh, it might not even be a Zach Jones, it might be somebody else. But San Jose is. Uh, see, I didn't want to ask this with Ryan because I was going to definitely word it wrong. Uh, San Jose is sort of a tweener team that they're closer to tearing it down than they are to competing. Yes. But they still think they can compete. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't I don't think they think they can compete anymore. I, th I think that's part of the, the reason why things are going the way they're going there. But, uh, and, and, and this is another thing. If he lets that no movement clause kick in, he's still there. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Kevin Adams deserves to be fired at that point. Like, oh, then, then, and, and if you want to say it's he inherited this situation from Jason Botterell, well, guess what? It's your situation now. I, I can't think, pass the buck. I think he'll definitely trade him before the, you know, the movement. I would hope he would trade him before the no movement clause kicks in, but I guess you never know because he's still saber right now. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm tired of talking about this guy. I really am. I don't. Oh I don't, God, I'm so there. I just wanted to be over so that way I can at least say. Thank God he moved on, or thank God we got him, or what yeah. next? My, am I just in my opinion? I'm gonna look at it as it's dead in the water right now, and there's no need to even discuss this guy's name until you know he's on the ice, or he, you know we know he had surgery. We have a timeline for him to come back because I just don't, I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, his name's going to keep coming up. That's the problem. It, it's it's going to keep coming up. There's going to be something that'll come up. I don't know, once every week or two weeks or so, and something's going to come up, and and the name's going to be brought up again. And next insider will bring him up, and then people will be talking about him again. It's just how it is with these guys. 
Like when I showed up after the golf outing and I went online, which again, I did have a few drinks at me, but it was because Carpinello made that ridiculous post about, oh, me, don't be surprised if Mika Zibanejad will, will be in that trade. Wait, what? You're supposed to be the insider. You're supposed to be much more responsible than me with your information. More importantly, let's go to this question. What do you think Lafreniere and Kaka will do? Um, I, I, I'm thinking, well, Frenier to me is, is a real wild card. I, I think he, if he's playing on that top line, I, I think he could score anywhere from 20 plus goals to, to 40 to 60 points, maybe even more. And he, I, I just, I know it's a small sample size, but what he showed me towards the end of the year last year is that he's ready to start playing bigger and more important minutes. And it, it's going to be an adjustment because you'll be playing against tougher competition on a nightly basis. But Mika Zibanejad's line needs a play driver. And Chris Kreider is not a play driver, not a facilitator. He's not somebody who's consistent enough to be the guy that drives the line. If Mika Zibanejad has got to drive that line on his own and have no playmaker, then that's going to be a problem. I think Alexi Lafreniere has to be on that line. I, I, I just... Uh, 60 to 90 points is just too unrealistic at this point. I, at I, this point, it's a little bit unrealistic, but Loff can go off. Uh, I don't he, think 30 he goals. Could. I mean, we can count on one hand how many Rangers have 30 goal seasons over the last 10 years. Um, but I certainly potentials there. 20 goals apiece, that's not a problem. We're talking about no. the booth before that you get the you get a guy that you get you get the booing to stop, maybe, and you get the cheers. Well, the number one guy that booed Kako Kapo was uh, uh Kapo Kako was um David Quinn was just he mishandled him so often. And now you get Gerard Gallant who's gonna handle him better. And if it doesn't work, get him out of town. There you go. I mean, and he's still young enough where even if like the number Kako, I should say, if he's still young enough to the point where even if the, the numbers aren't there um, and you want to move on from him, he's still going to have a ton of value. And, and there are going to be teams that will lo- want to take a chance on a player like him. So I, I, I think he could be a 20-goal, 40-point guy, maybe even more. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, again, he went out, did all that work with Marco Rotala, as we mentioned previously, mm-hmm. who works with um, – Mika Rantanen, and we we all know what Mika Rantanen is. Mika Rantanen is built like a brick shit house. So, um, yeah, I would uh, I would venture to say that Capo Caco is probably going to come in with a newfound confidence, a coach that will handle him, and I think he's going to come in with more minutes and he's going to be more productive. So, I, I, I almost be the anti liney uh, line a <laughs> like. Patrick Line, you know what? To his credit, last year he really didn't have anybody to make to help make plays with. I mean, in in, in Winnipeg, he could play with guys like um, Nikolai Ehlers, who was a real good speedy playmaker on that line. Um, he he's had stints with Mark Shifley. Uh, you know, he's had guys that can help make plays, but um, that that's really the thing with Kako here is is he can drive play like he's shown that he can do that on that third line. They're just 
you just put two, three kids together and you're not going to get optimal results with three guys really trying to learn the ropes under, under a guy who really can't teach them the ropes all that well because he doesn't know how to at the NHL level because he's in over his head. So now you have a guy that knows what he's doing. And even another one, Kravtsov. What about Kravtsov? Kravtsov is another one where he can be an absolute wild card on that line with Panarin and Strom. If they put him there, he can absolutely tear shit up. See, I was going to go with Kravtsov, but first I got to give the public what they want. They want Anthony Larocco. <laughs> um, well, yeah, listen, Lafreniere is the first overall pick for a reason. He's he's um he's a really talented kid. Um, and I think uh, with due time, he's going to be a great player in the league. I, I don't um, – it's hard to say, you know, what I think he's going to project at right now. Um, you know, I, I could see him um, – I could see him being a, a Tavares-type guy in terms of production, you know, a guy that could score, you know, 80, you know, 80 points. Um, you know, Tavares had a couple of years where he had really good seasons, but there were some years he was like a – you know, a high sixties, low 70 point guy. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. So um, I think he's going to be a really good player in this league. Um, I think he's, I think he definitely could score 20, you know, maybe 20, 22 goals this season, um, being a really productive player. Capo Caco. Um, um, I, I think he, he's, he's proved to be a pretty good defensive player. My thing with him is, can he put it together offensively? Uh, I think this is the year that he's poised to do it. If he doesn't, I mean, that's, that's disappointing, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe he develops into a, like a, a guy that scores 15 goals and, and gives you really good defense. Um, but you know, there's still the, there's still the possibility where he, it kind of really breaks out offensively and becomes like a 25 goal, 30 goal guy who's good in both ends. So that's possible too. And like I said, the way he trained this summer, it seems like that's possible. Um, it just really depends on minutes. I'm sure the Rangers Gallant's going to give them both the minutes to succeed, um, and that's the thing, you know, they weren't getting opportunities the last year, really. So if they get the right minutes and they really, you know, let their skill show, you know, the sky's the limit. But um, it's hard to it's hard to bank on, you know, in Lafayette's case, second year guy. But it's hard to bank on young guys to really be the brunt of your offensive production. You know, you're going to need Panarin, Zibanejad, um, Strom, you know, Kreider to really produce for you. But um yeah, they got they got bright futures, and I think they could be you know really good as soon as this year. Time will tell. Yeah, I, I mean I agree with that, Anth. It's it just like I said, the thing is, is I think if you put those two with Mika Zibanejad, he can help drive that line. Um, I think Lafreniere plays a little more like Butchnevich, which Kreider doesn't, and that's why I think Lafreniere needs to be on that line. I think Kreider needs to go down lines because I, I think that. He needs he needs to be in that situation, uh, Lafreniere. That is to help Mika Zibanejad out because Chris Kreider ain't going to do the things that that Alexi Lafreniere can. And I think Capo Caco on the other wing would actually help defensively as well. I I think when you look at Caco, especially when you see the play, for instance, the goal they had against the Capitals, I believe it was in the Tom Wilson game that um, Lafreniere I think dumped it off and Caco went around. Uh, I think it was Vanacek that was in net. It was a sensational goal with the, for him to use that much hands. But it's just, you know, it's it, you, you got to let the kid get in a situation where he's able to use his skills. And I think he's going to be uh, in that situation a lot more. Um, Chris, I would say this to you. The consensus was from every scout, Lafreniere is the guy. Sometimes if somebody's behind him, it, it's if you get annoyed when we reach, 
for a guy. That's why some Ranger fans are still kind of annoyed about Phil, guard your ears. Hugh Jessamine. I actually really like Tim Stutzler. I think he I think he can be a really good player, you know. Is he's he's got he's got the speed, he's got hands. Um and you know, I thought he performed pretty well for Ottawa, a team that was pretty bad. But so, you don't you don't draft out a need in the first round in the NHL draft. Uh cuz yeah, usually I the mean, guy isn't there right away. Yeah. The the thing with Stutzler is that Someone like that can come along and they're skating. Like, your skating can absolutely help you, like, right off the bat. If you're a fast skater, especially in today's game, you're going you're gonna to get chances and you're, you're going to be able to create offense if you have the skills to do it, which Stutzla has. But the advantages that Stutzla had over Lafreniere were the fact that, one, he was playing top six minutes. Two, he was playing power play time. Lafreniere was the first first overall pick since Joe <laughs> Thornton to not get significant power play time as a uh, rookie. And, yeah, those those band names are pretty accurate. I, I would say I'd be all for banning <laughs> all those the band names. names. Yeah. yeah. But, but um, Lafreniere showed that if, if you look at Lafreniere's end of his season and what he did, you can look at that and say, hey, you know what? If he would have, if he would have played in that type of situation, getting those types of minutes, and played like that all year, then he would have been trying to chase at least Kirill Kaprizov for the Calder, and he he would have probably bridged it to a considerable point, maybe mm-hmm. not very close, but at least made it not a landslide. So, I, I guess I'm pretty confident with Lafreniere. I, I think. I know it's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, but there's something special with that kid, and you can see it. By the way, Sean asked us, how the hell do these work? Where we're watching the game and we're giving our critiques on the game? I mean, I mean we could do that, but... It's something I, w- I would love to do if it's at all worth the time for anybody to watch. I mean, we're talking about one thing with the meetups is to actually do a pregame, postgame show possibly even a um, intermission, but yeah. watching the actual game a little bit different. I, I uh, We can't broadcast the actual content itself. That would be believable. I know, but guys do watch alongs. I, I don't know how those work. I have to look them up. I know gravity does it. So yeah, um, you, you can, it, it, it would probably be just like the way we're doing it now, but we're, we're watching the game and we're just commenting and it, and part of it is probably going to be me looking at the TV the way that I was. I'm looking at the TV now, you know. Yeah. Fun fact: Did you guys know that the 2021 NHL draft is the first draft since 1967? One of the first rounders will be starting the season on an NHL roster for the upcoming season. Really? Well, we know. Well, we know Owen Power won't. Matty Beniers won't. Kent Johnson yeah. won't. Um, Luke Hughes yeah. won't. Um, so I mean that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who else is that's going to. I mean, well, I that's why this that. draft was regarded as a weaker draft as compared to the you know the, the past few drafts. I would say. I mean, twenty seventeen was regarded as a weaker draft. It's actually been halfway decent, but this so far. I mean, when you look at this many guys not not playing on the on NHL rosters in the first round, it makes you really wonder, like. How weak could this class actually end up being? You know. Um. 
Yeah. Uh, and by the way, do you think we see either one of these? I don't think I don't think we see Robinson. I think there's a chance on Snyder. But I don't think there's a chance on either, really. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that they're both in Hartford this year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wonder if Schneider returns to junior. Um, I think he's if I'm wrong, I think he's 19 still. Okay. All right. And oh, and I was saying, sorry, I was also saying okay. David was clarifying a little bit of that. And I think you know what, Sean. I think you might be onto something if we had like a crowd cam for. Um, yeah, he's he's nineteen. Yeah. He's nineteen, so he can't he can't start the season in a. Actually, no, he'll be twenty in September. So he'll he could. I think he can start the season in the NHL because he's he'll be old enough. Now, I really do wonder if he'll go back to junior because he had a big year in the WHL. One WHL defenseman of the year. On the Subway Cup, won a Memorial Cup. I mean, he he won everything. Uh, are players getting weaker? I don't know about interpret that. Interpret that question however you want. Are players getting weaker? Because it's strength. I don't think it's physically. I think they're fine. I think the mental aspects of the game are what's what they're struggling with now. I don't know about that. I, I really don't think that's the case. I don't think so, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe because you know I got the grays, so it's starting to say, "Get off my lawn, you!" I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know about that. Wait, then I'm old. Uh, I no, think. I that, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think if I think if anything, a lot of these guys are getting stronger at the NHL level. I think there's more of an emphasis now than ever on. Um, strength and skills coaching and conditioning. And, and that's part of the reason why it's harder for it, it. You don't see the seasons like the great, great rookie seasons that we've seen. Like you don't see your Crosby and Ovechkin 100 point rookie seasons. I mean, those guys are generational. So it, they're, mm -hmm. they're come across, but I mean, it, it just, those guys right off the bat are not working with, NHL level strength and conditioning coaches and so on. And you know what? Sometimes it's the right place at the right time, but, uh, but other times it, it really is the attention to detail on all these other things. And that's why I, I don't think, I, I think it's, it's harder for young guys, 18, 19 years old to, to make their marks right away due to that. I think it's hard to ask any, any 18 year old kid to go up and play against old, uh, Older men or yeah. grown men. Yeah. Um, I like this one. And I'll start with you on this, Anthony. Ultimate hockey player, fill in the blanks, passing, shooting, skating, stick, uh, skill, I guess, stick handling. Um, all right. So, uh, skating, I would take, um, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid's skating ability. Um, I would take Alex Oveskin's shooting ability. Um, Patrick Kane's skill and passing. Um, maybe, yeah, may, maybe Artemi Panarin's passing. I think those were all good choices. Yeah, um, those are all really, really good choices. Um, is it to, are we limited to one player per thing, or can we list the same player for 
I guess you could list the same player. I would say passing, skating, and skills have all got to be McDavid. Then <laughs> I just all I right. Don't. Then that makes it way too easy. It, 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 it McDavid has led the league in assists how many times since he he's been in? Uh, I just at least uh, twice, if not three I, times. I think, I think he's led in assists. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now just to make sure. But McDavid has led in assists twice in his six-year career at 72 this year. In a 56-game season, he had 72 assists. Do you know how many that is over an 82-game season? Uh, You're doing the math on that right now, I guess. 105. 105. That's insane. He would be one of less than 10 players in NHL history to break the 100. That's not, all right. So that's not even right. Now, now I gotta now I gotta be different on all these guys just for the sake of being different. Um, you know who's got a great shot? Alexander Barkov, and uh, he's got a great Ooh. shot. Pasternak. Yeah, Pasternak. Um, Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, but I'm gonna use Kucherov for passing. His passing is outstanding. Yeah. Um, skating. Since we can use McDavid. McKinnon. Yeah, yeah it's got to be named McKinnon. I, I actually, I, I would, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, uh, to, to, I, I've praised his, his technique, his, his mechanics are damn near flawless. And it's edge work is phenomenal. The best I've ever seen. Barzal. Yeah. Bar, Barzal is, if, I, I take skating I Barzell, David yeah. by that much over Barzell. It's so it's so damn close for me. The one thing I will say about Connor, about um, Nathan McKinnon in relation to Matt Barzell is that he's the only guy that I've ever seen that can that can even process and stick handle. Yeah, McKinnon. Even yeah. anywhere close to where the way the way McDavid does at. Mm-hmm. at because McKinnon's speed is just ridiculous. Yeah, the fact that he can do what he does at that speed, he's the only guy that even comes close to McDavid in that regard. No offense to Barzal, but Barzal's skating is just—it's it, it, damn near flawless. Which, by the way, Rich, I just got to—we don't fight at weddings. <laughs> that, was <great. laughs> that was great. That episode was great. Morgan's um, a very good skater too. Yeah. Uh, and and I look at that question. I I want to put Sebastian Ajo in there somewhere because you guys know uh, my non non Ranger man crush is Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> I keep predicting him to win the MVP every year. <laughs> so, um, Dylan Warkin, great skater. Um, can't say enough on that one. Uh. Yeah, I like the open forum where you can talk to the fans. Uh, if if we were talking about hockey sense, you know who I'd have on there? Adam Fox. Um, I'll go nearly uh, as fanboy as uh, uh, what's his name did uh, Pierre Maguire. That's a, that that's that's a good one too. I mean, he's hockey IQ through the roof with that kid. Yeah, roof. 
I just I look at there I look at the times where as someone who plays defense, I, I look at the times where I see multiple four checkers in on him behind the net. And he somehow escapes with the puck and skates it out or makes that pass. And, and I just often just say to myself, how? How? Even though yeah. it's happened, I just how? And uh and and I gotta say, uh it's probably it's always Sidney Crosby is yeah, the answer on all that, but yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. But yeah, we're, we're talking about a forward and a defenseman. That's two different. Yeah, I mean Sidney Crosby. You want to take the ultimate hockey player? Sidney Crosby stick handle in midair on Carey Price two, three years ago. Come on, <laughs> Patrice Bergeron's hockey IQ is pretty up there too. Yeah, his two way game is pretty yeah. good. I mean, the offense just. It isn't there. You know who actually gets uh, to me? I think is the better all-around player of the two of them. I think is Andre Kopitar. I mean, he's mm-hmm. one of five players in the history of the NHL to score ninety points or more and win the Selkie in the same season, and he did that where the number two scorer on the team was a defenseman, and Dustin Brown was top three in scoring yeah. on that team. <laughs> I just saw you got that. it. You got it. All right. Wait, hold on. You clicked it at the same time as me. That's a band yeah. name. That's a band name. <laughs> oh boy. Well, you know what? He played with intentions. Makar's, yeah, Makar's a hell of a player. I don't I, I don't know if, if Makar is more so the IQ more than he is the dynamic talent that he his, is. His skating is unbelievable. His skating is unbelievable for a defenseman. Yes, it's 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 ridiculous. Hey, uh, Chris has got this one. Best penalty killer between the Rangers and the Islanders. Brock Nelson? Possibly. Uh, Amigas Benajad is a, a very good one, too, because he's also a real big shorthanded threat. Um, Casey Zegas um, is, 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 is a very good one. Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Brock Lesnar. <laughs> uh, we can't use Buchnevich anymore because he's not here anymore, Shafra. Sorry. Yeah. Or I, I thought you were also using uh, as a pun, Bruchley. So, <laughs> no. Um, he that was a real good Well, again, it's uh, it's the, they're, him and Kreider are two guys you like. Why didn't we ever try these guys on the penalty kill? I think your best players need to be on the penalty kill occasionally. Kreider's not a particularly smart player, so I don't know why he'd be on the penalty kill. Who? Kreider. Oh, Kreider? Yeah, no, no. I wouldn't wouldn't trust him on a penalty kill. And not only that, but he's too much of a loaf at times. (laughs) I want to put him there. President of the Chris Kreider fan club over here. I see that, but no. Yeah, no. Yeah, his role is going to be a lot different this year, so. Uh, Hopefully. Hopefully. Yes, but um, yeah, I, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of putting him there. Uh, I think Barkley Goodrow is going to challenge to be one of the best penalty killers on either of these two teams, or any if you want to expand it to the metro area, the, any of the three metro area teams. I think he's going to come in right away and he's going to start killing penalties, and the Rangers are going to fall in love with that, or the Ranger fans are going to fall in love with that. Um. Anders Lee isn't a terrible penalty killer. 
Maybe he's just not the guy I think about. Right now. He's, no. not, he's not a guy that even really plays the penalty. They rotate between like Zekas, Nelson, Clutterbuck, Valley. Lee doesn't kill penalties. No, he doesn't really kill penalties. He's the power play guy. He's one of the better yeah. on top yeah. in the entire league. And, and Chris, just echo a little bit what you're saying on that. And that's if – because in situations, say, like Alexander Ovechkin, Alexander Ovechkin at the Capitals get in penalty trouble, he doesn't play penalty killing whatsoever. He doesn't see the ice at all. Sidney Crosby plays a penalty kill. He gets on the ice. You get a guy in the game. Now, do you want your best player blocking shots left and right? No, but again, as you said – Michael Grabner was a was a good penalty killer for the Islanders. I'm sure he and the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He was. He was really good because Michael Grabner was one of the better players that I've seen in my life that could go and pick off passes going from from the other point to the other, and he was just he had a knack for it, and he went the other way. You weren't catching him when he got that step. Yeah. And, and one step in front of him, and his explosion was so quick that he gained two, three steps like that. Yeah, that was it. Breakaway goal. Yeah, he was he was a beast on the penalty kill. Yeah, the one year the Islanders had eleven short-handed goals because him and Nielsen were him and Nielsen were fantastic as a penalty kill. Pair. Oh yeah, that 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 is not a a, a penalty kill pairing that you would want to take lightly. No. No. They would go the other way on you and they'd score. Yeah. And, and that's what they did. They took away the D to D pass. Simply yeah. Put. yeah. And, and if, if you can't use that D to D pass on the point and that, that makes it that much harder because it, you have to funnel the play to one side or the other and your, your power play becomes that much more predictable. Either that, or you really got to get those cross scene passes going and that's riskier than that. Yeah. When, when you true. When you, teams start trying to get cute and they try to start using the cross seam pass too much, that's when they turn the puck over, and that's when bad things happen. Um, Ooh, I found a good one. There you go. What does Sammy Blay give us? Brandon Prust type player? Oh, uh, he's much better than Brandon Prust. And Brendan Prost. So I'm just gonna cut you off. I'm just gonna hop off for a bit. I gotta get ready to get L off the bus. So I'm gonna, All right. I'm gonna and, come back on. Maybe not. I'll see. All right. All right. Take it easy. Yeah. All take right. care, Anth. Later, guys. Right. Later. But um, Sammy Blay gives you a lot more than someone like Brendan Prost. Brendan Prost was just a fourth liner, and he kind of got left behind. Um. He Brendan Press would never be able to play today, even his prime. Sammy Blay, I mean, 15 points in 36 games. That's thir- that's 30 points right there over 72. So that's a 30 point pace there. 13 points over 40 games. That's 26 points. That's fourth borderline third line numbers. And these two years. He was playing 12, 12 and a half and 12 minutes a night. If he could score at an over 30 point play, uh, pace playing on a third or a fourth line at 12 minutes a game, Sammy Blay is going to give you a lot more than people think. I think a lot of people, a lot of Ranger fans are sleeping on this guy. 
I, I, I'm not saying that he's going to be an offensive force, but I, I think he's a lot better. And I, I've seen him play enough. I, I, like I said, I have either center ice or NHL TV or both every year. And I, I've watched more than enough of this guy play. I'm telling you, a lot of Ranger fans are sleeping on him. Like uh, one of the things we have, I don't have the Tombstone video uh, that I actually didn't play uh, before. But uh, where I got Chris Drury as uh, Wyatt Earp saying, you won't, you call down the Thunder. Well, now you got it. But Stanley Cup Finals, opening minute of the game, Sammy Blay laid out David Backus, the former captain of the St. Louis Blues. That was a pretty big statement, too. And um, uh, Blay has, well, he's got a bomb for a shot. I do know that. Uh, the Dallas Stars know that. I remember seeing that in game six. Um, it's just, they got, they got a hell, hell of a fourth line now. I can tell you that. And, uh, they get, they got a lot more sandpaper and that's what Blay is going to give us. And, um, and yeah, I, I gotta say, I, I was heartbroken a little bit when Brandon Press was gone. Cause I thought they could have no, used him, but then yeah, he didn't exactly no. pan out in Montreal. No, I, I wasn't because... I, I I looked at that two point five million and that that cap hit for him and that deal, and mm-hmm. I, I I just said no, no thank you, no thank you. You could t- Montreal, you could take him at that price. Uh, so uh, I don't, I don't, I I was uh, that was one of those losses where I was just like okay, it's like we we made a good move and that ended up showing with time and not much. It didn't take much time to show either, so. Yeah, by the way, Rick Nash was a very good penalty killer. But um Yeah, he was DJ. Uh New York Ranger again saying it right here. Uh there should be an expiration date on your eligibility to win the Calder. There is. Uh we discussed this last year. Um is it isn't it like twenty six? Yeah, yeah, it's like twenty six years old, I believe. Um, yeah, because Sergey Makarov uh won at thirty. Won it. Yeah. Yeah, in nineteen ninety he won at thirty years old when I mean I get it. I mean, he didn't play in the NHL until that point, but Sergei Makarov was probably was easily the best player outside of the NHL for the entire decade of the eighties. Easily the best. Wait, wait, wait. Kevin Nash, Rick Nash. <laughs> Am I getting an That's echo great. right here? Right. What? Am I getting an echo right here? Thought I heard an echo. But yeah, Kevin Nash over Rick Nash. I think there's also uh, Rick Nash over Kevin Nash. He's actually uh, no Rick Nash's name is not banned. He is not banned. No, I uh, mean, although it's it, the only thing that's sad about Rick Nash is his most successful playoff season was 2015. Probably, it's 2015, but uh, obviously the rain. He had his struggles early on, and um. I think I think the the Matt Zuccarello injury really affected that team because then they had to shuffle the deck. St. Louis was supposed to step on in. They would have had him on the third unit. Uh, JT Miller up and down. It's it, there's so many things about that. Rick Nash um, had more than three goals in 2015. That was 2014. I think you're talking about Shefra. Yeah, I think 20. That was definitely 2014 because uh, I know he had a goal versus Montreal. Um, 
I don't think he had one against Pittsburgh. But Nash had a two-goal game against Tampa. Uh, he scored in game six. I think he actually had uh, – I know He had – the two-goal game, I believe, was game six. It was the same game that Broussard went off. Right. Broussard had the hat trick, but he also had a two – no, sorry. It was Yandel that had a two-goal game in game four. Uh, but Nash scored in that one too. Um, I know he scored in game six. I <laughs> know. Uh, well, again, it's all right. We're just uh, we're always here to discuss. So, uh, but yeah, and the, the only years he was good in the playoffs, like his best years in the playoffs were probably 2017, 2015, and 2016. He was he was the Rangers' best player in the playoffs, but. That didn't say much. No, yeah, it, yeah, 2017 really wasn't a good run for him. 2016 and 2015 were really it. 20, 2014, he gets a lot of, you know, he gets a lot of shit for 2014 because he didn't put up the goals and the points. But every night that he was out there, he was making things happen. He just, the pucks just weren't going in the net form. But he was playing real good defensively, and I know. You don't pay Rick Nash $7.8 million to be a checker. Yes, I get But if he's not going to be able to score goals and put up points, you want him to be a complete and utter useless waste? Like, no, you don't. You want him to be able to contribute. And he created offense, and he was good defensively. He just – Derek Stepan couldn't shoot to save his life. Yeah, I remember – by the way, Christy, I remember that goal uh, where – it was early in the third where he took it wide on Holpe and dumped it in. And then right after that, Boyle scored 4-1. Gee, I can't, rem- I-, I can't remember what happened after that. Was it uh, – uh, yeah, played concussed too. Well, yeah, that was the, the Brad Stewart elbow from the third game of the season, which was the hurdle game where he had the, the goal in the backhand – or the through-the-legs goal and everything, the four-goal game. Brad Stewart took him out with a dirty elbow straight to the head. Mm-hmm. Suspend him or anything for that one. Good job, player safety. Good to know that you've been shit forever. Play, player safety. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah safety. Because yeah. they don't know. They really don't know player safety. They haven't been any good since Brendan Shanahan was gone. So, and Stefan Catal, don't ever get me started on him. Mm-hmm. So, um. Yeah. Keith Yandel, Broussard, and Hayes all back in Philly with uh, Vigneault. Uh, Vigneault didn't exactly yeah. like Yandel. He loved Broussard, and Hayes kind of same thing. Yeah, Yandel kind of shocked me because of the way that one Vigneault handled Yandel in New York. Mm. Like, Yandel was not happy with that. And then the way that Vigneault handled Shane Gossespierre, who had a better year in 2018 than Yandel's ever had in his career. Like, I don't understand how you how, how you do that and how you go there when you know what this guy is going to do. I can honestly say, uh, because Shane Gossespierre was a guy that I thought was going to be a real impact player, uh, but I'm rooting for him to bounce back especially uh, I believe he was a student of a former teammate of mine, Timmy Kierkostas, uh was his, either his coach or um, was one of his skills coach. Timmy, one of the best players I've ever seen. Um, 
Uh, yeah, you could add, you could add a vignette and chewing gum. Yeah, a lot of good looks. Yeah, uh, Silk, this one I got a direct right at you, and you clicked it. Good. Uh, yeah, too early to tell on this. Really, too early to tell because a lot of these guys aren't even going to be playing in the NHL this year. Yeah, and they're, 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 they they got to step up. They got to learn another game. And um, I, I actually like what I see out of Brennan Ottman, though, uh, in some of those. I don't know. I'm, I'm watching highlight reels of him scoring. So, of course, there's going to be the those reels. But on the other hand, he just always seems to be in the right place. Goes to the dirty areas. So, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't think. Listen, I was disappointed with the pick because I wanted a center. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I wanted I wanted Svechkov. I thought Svechkov was a center that they needed and needed depth at center. And and if you look at the organizational depth, there are two places where they were good. They were um, on the wing and on defense. And I, I just, I, I don't feel like they needed another winger. I, I feel like they needed a center. I understand the Othman pick. I understand that Othman should be ready by the time Kreider, his no movement clause is up. You can get rid of Kreider and put Othman in there. And I like that. I do. I, I think there's skill. I think there's skating. I think there's hands. I think there's shooting. I think this is a guy that can score goals. I think he's more, I think there's a higher hockey IQ with Brennan Othman than there is Chris Kreider. So what you're saying is he's definitely going to be better than say Ryan Gropp. Uh, yeah. Ryan Gropp was a joke. Ryan Gropp was also a second round pick. Ryan yeah. Gropp was boosted by some other players that were playing on that team. I believe one of them was Matt Barzell. If uh, I yeah, correctly. Matt Barzell. Yeah. So, so but um, yeah. And again, not slamming him. Unfortunately, it's the results. Yeah. So Ryan Gropp is not a name you want to make a comparison to because Ryan Gropp is basically a later version of Evgeny Grachev, boosted by better players on. Mm. Cody Hodgson and Matt Duchesne, notably on those Branton Battalion teams. But um, you know what? I, I, I got to say that I think Brennan Hoffman can be a good player. What he maxes out as, I don't know. Could be a middle six wing. He could be a good second line, 20-plus goal, 40-plus point winger for all I know. Chemistry but, matters. Chemistry matters, and that's the thing. Yeah. It's not just It's not just. Uh, can a guy do this. If, it, if it's going to be – can a guy do it by himself? No, 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 no play. Maybe Conor McDavid could, but no player could do it by himself. The, 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 the very rare ones do. The one thing, and I got to say, and, and Sheffer here brings up a, a real good point, is that Brennan Othman wasn't a reach. He wasn't a reach where they took him. And honestly, the hockey guy, Shannon, did a video on it. And I think I might have referenced it on here before, but he did a video of where all the players were picked to go by mock publications or, or, or actually by publications, not even by just mocks, but like McKean's central scouting, uh, ISS, um, you know, a lot of those guys. Hey, Steven. But, um, you know, hey, Mike. Hoffman wasn't, he wasn't a reach at that pick. He was picked by, they did the central scouting and all the combined, uh, Combined rankings. Um, he, they, they. Ha, Shannon put all that together, and Brennan Othman was picked 
he was ranked like 16 through 18 by all the five sources that he used for that video. It's not a reach. It's not a reach pick. It wasn't. And if you if you look at even the hockey news, I think had him around that range. I think they had him maybe at 19, if I remember correctly. But um, you know what? It, it's not a terrible pick, and we're going to see that with time. That you know he kind of brings what, not even kind of, but he brings what they were looking for. Uh, I don't think. No, I don't think Shaq hates the Rangers. I, I don't think so. I, I know he's a Canucks fan, but he doesn't hate the Rangers. He, I, I, I've seen more than enough of his Rangers stuff to know that there's no agenda against them. I think if you're getting in this line of work and um, what we're doing is, even though I'll still wear my fandom on my sleeve, I still got to I, I gotta kind of curtail that aside a little bit in order to make some videos. Otherwise, it's not genuine. And, you know, that's that's what being a journalist is. You're supposed to be objective. Um, I, I'm, Sheffer, I, I have watch. watched vids. Like I, like I said, I, I've watched his videos. There's no agenda there, buddy. Sorry, but yeah, I, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Uh, how do we not grab Ratu with the second? Uh, uh, Atu Ratu with the uh, second pick after whiffing on the first, because there's a reason why he dropped all the way to fiftieth, guys. Um, I would have liked to have taken a chance there. Yeah. Um, you could, but what happens if they bring him in and he's? I mean, there's there's a reason why a guy drops that for. Steven um, actually explained this, and I believe it was on Twitter, if I remember correctly. Um, Steven, you brought up that he started, yeah, he, he was taken before the second draft selection, but um, you brought up that Othman actually had a really bad slump and then rebounded from it and actually produced at a pretty respectable rate once he rebounded. Um, you would have to say verbatim again what you said, but I, I just remember you saying it and looking into it and doing a little more research and saying, wow, he's actually right about this. And the numbers, the numbers are actually pretty good when you look at them and you put them into context. And he also, by the way, produced when he had uh, better players with him. He was producing more with Shane Wright than anything uh, else. So. I, I, I'm telling you, I think he'll produce this year. I, I, and especially if he does produce this year, you're going to, you're going to take. Do you want to send Steven the link, Mark? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean we're probably going to be on for maybe another half hour, so it's not that bad. Yeah, uh, I'll, I don't, I'll send I don't it. know how much longer we have, but yeah, but don't worry, Steven, we'll get you in because you're always more than welcome to join us. Uh, sorry, I gotta. Bluetooth keyboard has to get back on. You can keep talking. You don't have to stop because I'm right here. No, I was just looking at something. <laughs> um, no, it's it just I, I I think that I think Offman's going to take a big step this year. I I, I think that he'll I, I he he's looked good in Canada's uh, summit camp. Uh, I, I mean, there's a guy that me and Steven are in a group uh, DM in on Twitter and he um, he uploads a lot of videos. And yes, and Veerling is another one. And I've said that name on here several times. 
watch out for him this year. There are two. All right, thanks, Chef. Yeah, and thank you, Chef. But um, Veerling is another name that I'm I'm I, I'm very high on. I liked when after he was traded um, away from Flint to Erie, he he played very well after that that trade. So um, let's get Stephen here. Welcome on, Stephen. Welcome on, Stephen. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Uh, Not pretty bad. good. Wait, who do you got in your background over there? Are you an Emmy? Uh, yeah, I'm preparing for because you know all the all the guys are flying into New York on the 9th of September. So Payunyemi, Henriksen, Lundqvist. I uh, spoke to Ryder Korzak last night. He's flying in on the 9th as well. So with prospects coming into New York for training camp, I thought it was appropriate to hang up some prospect jerseys. Oh, there you go. I like what I see there. So um, yeah, we're going to talk about Brandon Hoffman, huh? Yeah. What? Go over what you you had. It was it in the group chat or was it on one of your statuses? Or it was. I mean, it, it, I'm I'm pretty sure I've been very vocal about about it, and um, I understand the um, the hesitation when it comes to the Offman pick because I think as a fan base we really wanted a center, um, but I think as a fan base we got tunnel vision because of it because. Mm -hmm. All we talked about as Ranger fans for a year leading up to the draft was we're going to get a center this year, right? It has to be. They have to draft a center. They have to because it's the one thing we need. That said, I still think we needed wingers with top six upside uh, for like two, three years down the line. We needed that as much as we needed centers. Um, I think John already explained it. Um, Othman was fine at 16th overall. He was he was ranked in that range by Bob McKenzie and by some of the other pundits. And these are guys who get their feedback from NHL scouts. So I trust them a little bit more than people on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, there was a tweet about Brennan Offman's production that really rubbed me the wrong way because it basically said that he had 33 points in 55 OHL games, and then he was under half a point per game the following year in the Swiss uh, Swiss League, which is the second tier of professional hockey in Switzerland. Against men. Against It's a professional league against men. And then there's this one sentence that always annoys me about this tweet is, the lack of scoring growth is a near-death sentence. And this, this is a projection based on NHL, it's it's a stat called NHL E. They they have like a certain I hate that stat. Yeah, um. they have a certain coefficient for each league. Uh, the number of points in a league you multiply it by the coefficient, and that should get you a number of points that that player would get in the NHL. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting theory, but I don't think it's flawless. And let me explain why because. This is a metric that's a bit shaky when you talk about a 17-year-old guy going pro. Um, first of all, Brennan Hoffman, um, he is a dual citizen. He has Swiss citizenship and Canadian citizenship because I think his grandma from his dad's side is from Switzerland. This is the reason why he was able to play in Switzerland in the first place before turning 18. Um, so he moves at the age of 17, moves to Switzerland from Canada because the OHL was canceled and he starts out with 17 points or 15 points in 17 games, uh, which is great. And then he goes cold with zero in 13. 
which if you look at it from that perspective is very it's a bit it's a bit wor- it's a bit troubling you know not getting a single point in 13 games even if you play against men but then um he has another three points in his final eight but if you look a little bit closer the first 15 points in 17 games um his team was 11 four and two then so they in that stretch they scored 3.18 goals per game then his team goes on a four nine and0 streak including an eight game losing streak where they score 2.76 goals per game. And that's when he goes zero points in 13 games. Following that, the whole team gets out of their slump and they go, they finish the season 5-1-2, and two, including the postseason, the games that Offman played, uh, where they score four, four goals per game and he finishes it with three points in eight games. And my, my complaint about this stat is that it's based on season totals and they don't really look into the details they don't really look into the context of what the season progressed like and look we all know what austin matthews did in switzerland in his draft year but austin matthews went first overall we're not talking about a first overall pick we're talking about a guy that was picked 16th overall with the arizona coyotes pick being forfeited he was the 15th player selected in the draft in a weaker draft, it was also a weaker draft. But even if it wasn't a weaker draft, we're talking about fifteenth, the fifteenth best player pick, not the first, the first overall pick. So, I don't know about you guys, but I don't expect a seventeen-year-old to carry his professional hockey team when they have a slump. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, so, yeah, I, I have serious issues with this whole statement and these analytics based on season totals. To me, if I look into his his progression over this over the course of the season, what I see is a 17-year-old kid that travels to Switzerland, travels to a new country where he doesn't speak the language, where he has to adjust to life in a foreign country, and he puts up 15 points in his first 17 games. That's great. If you cut off at 17 games and you go, Brendan Hoffman, that's 15 points in 17 games. Everyone's like, why is this is different? Why is this guy not drafted third overall behind Matty Beniers and Owen Power? But because his team had a cold streak where, uh, let me repeat, they had an eight-game losing streak. They went 4-9-0, and and they scored fewer than three goals per game. If the whole team goes cold, do we really expect a 17-year-old in a foreign country to, to carry that team? This isn't junior hockey. This isn't even college hockey. These are grown men. These are guys that are 26, 27, 28-year-old. And, yeah, they're not Sidney Crosby-level players, but they're grown men. And this 17-year-old kid is playing on that team, and he's holding his own. And and he had two really good stretches. Unfortunately, the stretch in between was bad, but it's not – look, if his team went 11-3-2 and two, and they score four goals per game and he has zero in 13 games, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be on board and say that's a bit disappointing. But, He's coming back to the OHL this season, right? Uh, yeah, he isn't AHL eligible uh, because you know, it was a little bit different last year uh, because of the COVID situation. The OHL was completely yeah, the WHL was delayed, so players who were drafted were allowed in the AHL this upcoming season. Uh, they go back to normal, with one exception. Um, players age 19 who played at least 20 games in the AHL last season are eligible as an exemption. 
Um, Will Cooley, unfortunately, played only 18 games, so he missed out on two games. Um, so Brennan Hoffman will play in the OHL against Evan Vierling and Will Cooley this upcoming season. Um, I think Brennan Hoffman is a good pick. Um, it's probably not the player I would have gone with, but if we look at the centers that were available, you had Zachary Baldridge, uh, who plays for the Ramuski Oceanic, uh, Lafreniere's former team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Fyodor Svechkov, who plays in the KHL, who just moved to Skan, St. Petersburg, Shashorkinem, which never just old team, and Panarin's old team. And then you had Chaz Lucius, who played for the US NTDP. I now, liked Lucius a lot. Yeah, Lucius is a good prospect, but I mean, he's there are flaws in his game, as you would expect, 15th or 16th overall. Of course. Uh, Baldridge, for me, doesn't really drive the play as much as I want a center to do. Uh, Svechkov is the one I'm really uh, that I was upset about missing out on because I think he is Anton Lundell. He's an Anton Lundell type player. You know, he's a really good two way center, and I think in a year he's going to be NHL ready. The uh, only problem with him is limited upside. Is that's been the big knock on him, according to all the reports? Yeah, is limited yeah, upside. Listen, listen. They said the same thing about Anton Lundell. Anton Lundell was always limited offensive upside. I've been hearing the same shit about Anton Lundell for two, three years. But I'm telling you, Anton Lundell is going to be a 60, 70 point player in the NHL. The I way always he's, thought he could be a 60 point player. The way he's played, well, the, the 12th overall in a draft, if you get a center that puts up 60, 70 points. And he's a good two way player, that, that's a steal right there then. I'll take that any day. Um, of course. My issue with Chaz Lucius is that his skating is a bit of is a bit of uh, a work in progress, not necessarily something that that is uh, to use Mr. Bacon's words a death sentence. Um, but I'm not I'm not worried about losing out on him. I think Brandon Hoffman, where he was taken, was a fine pick, and um, let me go into why this pick makes sense for the Rangers. If you look at a player. Um, in that range, it's going to take about three years before that player is ready to step into the NHL. Chris Kreider. We saw it with Chris Kreider. He was drafted in 2009. He came into the NHL in 2012. He he had a flying start in the playoffs, and then he had to go back to Hartford, you know, to season a little bit in the AHL. But if we take that three-year window for Brandon Hoffman, he will be NHL ready in 2024. You know what's also happening in 2024? Crider's no move clause. no move clause is expiring in 2024, and I still think Crider is a perfect candidate for a trade to the Dallas Stars or to the Vegas Golden Knights to be the replacement for Joe Pavelski or Max Pacioretty. Um, with for Pavelski, his net front presence on the power play, he's the perfect replacement for for those guys. When his no move clause expires, it turns into a limited no trade clause where he can block to uh, he can block a trade to i think 15 teams so it still gives you 16 teams you can trade him to without his consent i think Kreider is going to be gone in 2024 and they're banking on brennan offman stepping in and he's going to be a third line left winger behind lafreniere and panarin and this is why the draft pick itself is not it's not a crazy thought it's not a crazy pick this is not mcelrath in 2010 this is not Sanguinetti in 2006. This pick makes sense. It's just that as a fan base, we had blinders on and we were tunnel visioned on, we're going to get a center, we're going to get a center, we're going to get a center. 
And I was part of that too. You know, I said the same thing. I, I've been saying on Twitter, we're going to draft a center, right? It's crazy if we don't draft a center. And then, and then you hear Brennan Hoffman, and my first reaction was, fuck. But, you know, you, you, take, you, take a of, you take a couple of minutes, and then you start to digest it, and then you start to look into the player, and you think, all right, I can understand this pick. It might not have been my pick, but it's not a pick I can, I can get upset about. I remember in 2009, the Rangers drafted Chris Kreider, 19th overall, and I distinctly remember – on online, Ranger fans were upset that we that we passed on. Here we hear me out. Jacob Josephson and Jordan Schroeder. I never wanted Josephson. Nope. But those were the guys that Ranger fans Ugh. were about missing out on. Jordan Schroeder was uh, the the top goal scorer in the World Juniors. That the two seasons after his draft. Yeah. And for two years, I, all I heard was Ranger fans saying, "Oh, yeah, we." We got this guy, Chris Kreider, from high school, and we should have gone for Jordan Schroeder. Well, one of them is still in the NHL. It's not yeah, Jordan. never really made it. Yeah. And <laughs> so, say what you will, Chris Kreider was a money player in the playoffs for the Rangers in and, and, 2014. And Chris Kreider is a perennial 50-point, 25-goal player in the NHL. If you can get that 19th overall, you take it and run. Yeah. Yeah. If Brendan Hoffman can be a 50-point player in the NHL, 16th overall, you take that and run. Well, that's what I just said. I, I, I mean, I don't know what he's going to end up being. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know that he's going to be a top-line winger or he's going to be a middle-six winger. But yeah. he's a guy that gets you 20 goals and 40 points, or he's a guy that plays maybe like an Adam Deadmarsh-type game, which I, I think could end up being a good comparable. It's possible, yep. You take that and run. Now, and but, sorry, Stephen, you finish your point first. Yeah, so the, the last thing I'll say about the centers that were still on the board is every year we see centers being drafted and then being converted to wing in the NHL. So there's there's not even a guarantee that, that Boluch or uh, Svechkov or Lucius or Pinelli will actually be centers in the NHL. Um, so, yeah... Yeah, we need centers, but there's other ways to acquire them. We didn't draft Mika Zibanejad. We didn't draft Ryan Strom. Just saying. Yeah, they did, They haven't had a center. I think the last – the only center that they've really drafted and cultivated through the system is Derek Stepan over the last decade. I mean – I think Artem Anisimov, Derek Stepan, Philip Hedl. That That's about it. Yeah, and even at that, Filipino is still waiting to blossom and Arnim Anisimov, they shipped off for Rick Nash. Yeah. Um, I we were talking about Ate Ratu before. Um yep. do you know any reasons why he would have dropped? Is this gonna be, end up being like um people are gonna say like his interviews were bad or something like that? Yeah, it's it's basically that. His he didn't interview well. Um and yeah, it's it's a bit concerning, of course, when you know, this is a kid that has been dreaming about getting drafted, like all these kids have been. Um, and as you know, I do these prospect interview series that I share on Twitter where I talk to guys like Patrick Kodorenko and Austin Ruchev Rush and Justin Richards and Nils Lundqvist and Ryder Korzak. And I, I think I've spoken to like 33 by now. I always ask them about their combine interview. How did it go? And I don't always include it into the, into the interview that I write up. But I always ask about it because it's interesting to hear the other teams they spoke to. And 
how those teams reacted and what their initial thought was following those interviews. Which team did you think was going to pick you? And teams put a lot of emphasis on these combine interviews. If you have a bad combine interview, um, uh, Neil Yakupov. Neil Yakupov that, is that's <laughs> number one. I was actually going to try to compare it to Neil Yakupov, but I didn't want to offend if, him. If, if Neil Yakupov would have fallen to fifth overall and Toronto was on the clock, they would have passed on him without a second thought because uh, the current what's it, the current assistant GM, I think, was he the one in Toronto? John Lilly? Uh, I know Burke was there. I believe, yeah, I believe he yeah. – He's been with uh, Toronto for years. Yeah. yeah, Brian Burke was the GM, and John Lilly was, I think, the assistant GM or the director of player personnel. And Neil Yakupov had an interview, and Neil Yakupov messed it up. Neil Yakupov was like, you're drafting fifth overall. Why do I even have to have this conversation? And and Brian Burke actually mentioned it on, on one of the podcasts he was on the last couple of months. So a bad combine interview can really mess you up. That said... I don't know what the combine interviews were like for Atu I know they were not in person because of the whole COVID situation. So they were Zoom calls and Zoom calls can always be a bit tricky and Finnish people in general are not very talkative. They're a little bit of introverts. So that can, that can, that can affect an interview like that. And I'm shocked to see him drop to 52nd overall. Um, if the Rangers had a pick in the 50 range and he was still on the board, I would have loved to grab him in the, in the uh, mid-second round. Unfortunately, we traded our second-round pick to get rid of the Mark Stahl contract, so that didn't happen. Um, and our next pick was uh, the third round where we got Jaden Grube of the uh, Red Deer Rebels, who actually mm-hmm. played with Brandon Hoffman for uh, Canada Under-17 on the same line, by the way. Um, so the Rangers never really had a chance to draft this kid, but I think this kid potentially could be the steal of the draft. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be, but there have been players in the past that have dropped far lower than you would expect them to. Uh, Nikita Kucherov in 2011. Um, And on the other hand, players have really risen up the rankings because of a combined interview. Mark Shifley uh, in 2011 was ranked about 20th, and he went 7th overall to the Winnipeg Jets. And I remember Jets fans being outraged. How can we reach for a player like Mark Shifley when all these... And they were outraged for years until he took that turn and had that 30-goal, 60-point season. Mark Shifley spent two years in juniors before he came over to to Winnipeg and became like a regular player for them. And I'm pretty sure they don't regret that pick now. Nope. Um, it just goes to show you that you have to be patient sometimes with draft picks. Um, so yeah, um, look, Brennan Hoffman, I think he's a fine pick. He wasn't my he wasn't my first choice, but I can live with it. I'm not upset by it. Um, they could have done much worse. Yeah, well, you, no, you're you, right. I was going to say, you know, the guy that I'm always, I, I don't know why I zeroed in on him. I think that I always want to see this guy play. Uh, Carl Hendrickson uh, mm-hmm. that you have back there. Is he actually going to be able to play some preseason games with the Rangers this year? Ooh, yeah, he's going to. Um, he did already start his season in Sweden with Frölunda. They played in a Champions Hockey League. Which is like the Champions League in soccer, but you know, with hockey, it's 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 a it's it's a similar format where you have teams from Sweden, Finland, Czech Republic, Germany, Switzerland, uh, Austria, Slovakia. Uh, the only teams that aren't participating are the KHL teams. 
Um, but it's fun hockey to watch. You know, it's uh, it's a good start to the season in August to get some games in. Uh, when I was still living in Vienna, I would attend these games for the Vienna Capitals, go to a hockey game wearing shorts. It's like living in Phoenix. Um, <laughs> although there were more fans at the Vienna Capitals games than there are at the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> well, the problem. One reason why is because they put that arena and, in the wrong spot. And there's only, there's only 3,000 seats in Vienna. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. The Champions Hockey League is a lot of fun. And Carl Hendrickson has had a good start to the season. Uh, I know that he's flying to New York on the 9th of September. Um, um, same as all the other prospects, right? Akorzak, Brandon Othman. Um, I know uh, Laurie Payuniemi is flying in around the 6th of November, uh, for September. So all these guys are coming over to be part of the training camp and then maybe a preseason game or two. Um, the thing with Henriksen, though, is that he's not eligible for the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a weird situation. And let me quickly explain. So Normally, European players are eligible to play in the AHL when they turn 18. But in the transfer agreement, there's an exception. If a player is under contract, was drafted outside of the first round, and is younger than 22, he is not eligible to play in in the AHL unless his European team releases him. Now, Henriksen is 20 years old drafted in the second round, and he's under contract until 2023. So he's not eligible to play in Hartford for two seasons. That said, um, he signed his entry-level contract. It expires in three years, but he won't be arbitration eligible, which is a big plus for the Rangers. Um, So he's going to sign a second contract pretty cheap if he gets there. Um, I think the timeline for Henriksen, uh, Hartford in 2023, New York in 2024. Okay. Uh, Laurie yeah. Pine, uh, was first draft eligible in 2017, went undrafted. We picked him in 2018. So he's the same age as Philip Heedle. Um, uh, he, I know his contract expired. He signed an entry level contract with the Rangers, and he is, he is dedicated to go to Hartford and earn his way.